1: This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Character and Smallman.
2: Good morning, everyone, and happy President's Day 2021. It's Character and Smallman at 701 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, we will start with this by thanking the people that are plowing the roads and allowing us to get into work. I know a lot of people don't have to work on President's Day, but I also know that people plow plow roads for like 24 hours in a row. Their shifts are outrageous as far as i'm concerned because i could never do it but thanks to them because they're working hard and keeping us safe
0: absolutely randy they are the real mvps it was so nice to get up this morning and for us to have to come in early with this weather with the snow that's coming down and see that the roads most of them were already cleared off i saw so many vehicles out there um the snow vehicles with the plows on the front and i can't imagine how difficult that would be to get up super early this morning or be working all through the night during weather like this. So they are the real MVPs and thank you for keeping everyone safe.
2: I brought hot chocolate in this morning.
0: Oh, look at you.
2: Yeah. Look at so you. You're ready degrees. to go. Yeah. And by the way, the roads are pretty clear. <laughs> Michelle uh, from the trip Clayton on in uh, felt like it was pretty solid as I look up here from Jet Copter 2. Not many people out and about on this President's Day morning 2021. But if you are out and about so far, the highways are all right. Apparently the weather is going to get worse after nine o'clock. So be careful out there on your St. Louis Roads for this Monday. I'm Captain Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN Jetcopter 2.
0: That was a quick ascend for the Jetcopter 2. Oh, you got
2: it. You it, know what I mean? <laughs> that, my my helicopter, our helicopter, the 101 ESPN Jetcopter. It's got pickup. It can get up 0-60 in a blink.
0: People don't realize that. Yeah. That the Jack Copter 2 can just pop right up from the ESPN studios. (laughs)
2: Phenomenal. It really is. Blues in action this afternoon. We've got a President's Day game, 2 o'clock with the pregame with Alex Ferrario. 3 o'clock face-off with Curbs and Joey, and we're going to talk to Curbs at 8.15. In just a few moments, we're going to talk to... Highland, Illinois native Jeff Hartley of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Each day this week, we are going to preview a team in the NL Central. Jeff Hartley of the Pirates is going to start things off today. We're also going to talk to one of the new Pirates analysts and former Cardinal and former Rocky, That's Nolan right. Arenado teammate Michael McHenry. And on this President's Day, Bill DeWitt the Third and Chris Zimmerman are going to join us just to, so that we can thank them for being great presidents.
0: That's right; it's their day, so, so why yeah. not have them on the radio Gotta and tell them on. thank you? Yep. And both of them in charge of organizations that have done a lot for St. Louis, especially recently. So today is a great day to have them on and celebrate President's yep. Day.
2: Looking forward to brief conversations with both of those. The Blues had a good weekend, Michelle. They won a couple of games in Glendale, Arizona, against the Coyotes.
0: The, and you know what, Randy? They keep it interesting. These Blues. Those games are never dull.
2: No, this has been a great series. I hope these two meet in the playoffs. Do you? Yeah, because here we've got Game 7 today.
0: I know. I was going to say, winner take all, Game 7. I'm all about the entertainment. It's a must-win, Randy. (laughs) Game 7 is always a must-win. But I would be fine not seeing the Coyotes again for a very long time. Coyotes
2: are tough on the Blues. They are. And part of that is that... Bruby and Tockett know each other so well because they played together and they're the same style of coaches and neither team really has a superstar they're teams that just are gritty and the Blues are a little bit deeper than Arizona is but you can see why they play so many close games because they're mirror images of each other
0: and after you've played this many games against the same opponent, you start to figure out their game and pick up their mm-hmm. tendencies. And you know what works and what doesn't work after t- after time goes on. So, they, these, man, these games have been very interesting. But I will be fine to put the Coyotes to bed this season, Randy, after today's game.
2: The Friday night game was 1-1 after uh, Larson scored for Arizona in the second period. But as we move to the third, the game was 1-1, and Justin Falk scored his second of the night. Puck cleared out by the Blues, but
3: too far, too hot. Leading the rush. Kyrou, he's going to get to it, negating icing. Wins it for the Blues. Kyrou on the near side. Curls it back on the back end. Hits the man in front. They score! Justin Falk is two in the game. And it was Kyrou that made it all happen. 2-1, the Blues lead, 6.55 to go, third period.
2: Blues scored a couple of empty netters. It really wasn't a 4-1 game. It was a 2-1 game, but the Blues won it uh, with those two Justin Falk goals. And now it's turning out to be a pretty great acquisition. Justin Falk, huh?
0: This is what we said all along heading into this season, is that if this stability that Justin Falk is going to get after Alex Petrangelo is no longer with the team can ignite him in some way, not only are the Blues getting in the addition of Torrey Krug, but they're getting the addition of Justin Falk in a lot of ways. And that's exactly what we're seeing. He looks like a completely different player than what we saw last season, Randy. I know that he had some good play in the bubble and and down the stretch there, but this is the Blue. This is the player that the Blues thought they were getting when they acquired him from Carolina.
2: And Michelle, really interesting. look at the top two in plus minus in the entire league. Justin Falk, number one, plus 16. Joel Edmondson, number two, plus 15. The two guys who were traded for each other. There you go. And then uh, tied for third is Tory Krug. So Falk and Krug, two of the top three in the league in the plus minus rating, which some people in hockey don't really care about. I do. I'm a, I'm, plus my, well, I care about it if my team is doing well. I
0: was going to say you care about it because there's two Blues at the top there.
2: <laughs> there you go. Then on Saturday night, the Blues got things rolling after Car, uh, Connor Garland had scored in the first period. The Blues got goals from Clifford and Sanford. 2-1 after a period. Hayton scores for Arizona 2-2. Barbashev scores for the Blues, 3-2 Blues. Schmaltz scores for Arizona 3-3. Hunt scores for Arizona 4-3. Cairo scores for the Blues at the 14-23 mark. A Seesaw game is 4-4 headed to overtime as the blues
4: are changing now it's sunquist off the bench into hoffman he comes inches he scores hoffman with a rocket <laughs> and good night from the desert as the Blues win it five to four
2: michelle that was the sort of shot that I expected to see when they signed Mike Hoffman.
0: Absolutely, 100%. And boy, did he make it look easy. As soon as you saw that puck coming towards him and he was winding up, you knew that that one was, was gone.
2: And the Blues count on their depth, and that's something that Craig Ruby thought he got a lot out of on Saturday night.
5: I thought, you know, all our lines, you know, contributed tonight, did a good job. The D, everybody. It's really good to see. It's it's good to see, you know, guys like Clifford get a goal, and, and it was good to see Sanford get a goal tonight, too. So uh, we got contributions up and down our lineup tonight, which was nice.
0: Which is important, too, when you have guys dealing with injuries like the Blues yeah. have. And, Randy, reading the piece in The Athletic from Jeremy Rutherford, which I, I think everyone should go read, It really touched on Craig Berube and the line construction that he's been doing, but the conversations that he's been having with guys, notably Barbashev and Cairo, Mm -hmm. he had one-on-one conversations with them, telling them exactly what he was going to need from them, put them out on the ice in different situations, and it's really been paying off for the Blues. This kind of reminds me too a little bit of what happened with Vince Dunn. He had that conversation with Vince Dunn, and yes, maybe the threat of of getting traded was out there too, but it really does seem like Craig Berube knows exactly how to push his guys' buttons. and put them in positions to succeed.
2: And they all get opportunities. Schwartz out with the lower body, body injury. So Paganski plays the other night. He played pretty well. And my anticipation would be that he'll be back in there today after the Blues won 5-4 in overtime on Saturday night. Other news from the weekend. For the first time since 1994, the Cardinals lost an arbitration case. Jack Flaherty will make $3.9 million this season. And he tweeted the Jordan meme. And I took that personally, and once we get a chance to talk to Jack, I wonder if... He took the Cardinals' offer personally, or if something was said in the hearing that he took personally, because these hearings are not pleasant experiences for the players.
0: I would imagine it's a combination of both, because this is somebody that we know wants to bet on himself. Yep. We know that Jack Flaherty believes in his abilities. This is what what fans have been fearing about free agency, because Jack Flaherty is a guy that would test the waters because he believes in his skill set and his abilities, and so for this to be the precursor to what that could potentially be, and him thinking his work is X, and the Cardinals thinking it's Y, and other people ruling in favor of him, I think is only going to heighten his confidence.
2: And when you look at his team, the Dodgers, when a guy like Clayton Kershaw says, I don't even know what I'm going to do after 2021, when Bauer will only have one year left uh, when Jack Flaherty hits free agency, they're... Uh, there are two years left before Jack Flaherty becomes a free agent. Two years left before Justin Turner becomes a free agent. There's going to be a lot of money coming off the books for the Dodgers when Jack Flaherty is eligible for free agency.
0: Do you feel like that's almost a foregone conclusion?
2: I kind of do. So do, do I.
0: So do I. It just seems like all the stars are aligning for him to get there. And with this arbitration hearing going his way, I would imagine that would invigorate him even more to not want to settle for an offer early with the Cardinals because I'm sure that they're already trying to have conversations with He and his team about getting a a deal in place. That's kind of the Cardinals' mo, right? To get it done a few years early, and hopefully they can settle on a number. But I don't think that's going to happen with Jack Flaherty. And he just seems like a guy that would want to bet on himself. would Would want to go home because he's a California guy and would love the the spotlight of LA.
2: And he's going to want to be like Trevor Bauer is this year, the highest paid player in the history of the game. I'm. I guarantee you that his barometer is the Garrett Cole contract for $324 million. Why would it be anything else? He thinks he's the best.
0: Right. I don't, And I don't blame him for that. No, I, don't, uh, I don't blame him for wanting to get no. every single penny that he believes that he's earned.
2: And that's why the Cardinals, while also trying to win, they need to know exactly what it's going to take and what they don't have to be able to keep him and know when to trade him. Because his value is not going to be high when he is... Two months away be- from becoming a free agent no. you, you, you you trade him with either one or two years left kind of like when the white Sox traded chris sale and they got Mankata, and uh they got one of the pitcher kopeck out of that so you, you have to know when to make a move like that justin turner resigns with the dodgers two years 34 million dollars he tweeted it himself and then all the reporters asked source a question mark on the after he said that on twitter James Paxton with the Mariners, a year and $8.5 and, and Jake Arrieta, back to the Cubs. Congratulations to him and them. Farmington's own Jake Arrieta, there one year can. and $6 million.
0: I'm so sick of hearing about the Dodgers. I'm so sick of, <laughs> of hearing about them and Contra. I, I did it last week during sick of it.
2: Yep, it's not going away.
0: It's not. It's just so <laughs> annoying.
2: At the other end of the spectrum from the Dodgers are the Pirates. And we're going to talk to uh, one of their pitchers as we start to preview the NL Central. Jeff Hartley, a Lindenwood Wood product from Highland, Illinois, is next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Caricker, and Major League Spring Training camps around Florida and Arizona getting set to open this week. And with that being the case, Michelle and I are going to take a trip around the NL Central, and we're going to preview each team. And today, that team is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they have a local product, Highland Illinois. Jeff Hartlieb is also a Lindenwood product, and he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jeff, great to have you with us. Thanks for taking some time. How's it
6: going? Great. How are you guys? I appreciate you having me on.
2: We're, we're excited, and we know that you're joining us this early because you've got a workout. You're, you're ready to go. How long have you been down there, and how you feeling?
6: Feeling great. We, uh, we came down last Wednesday, just uh, try to get down a couple of days before testing and get settled. And uh, right now we're just going through the self-isolation stuff before we can actually get to team workouts and everything.
0: Jeff, what's that like for you? Because I imagine for players, you're getting a a list of all of these protocols and you're trying to get in a rhythm with your routine, but you're also trying to be safe. What's it been like for you to try to balance those two things?
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's been pretty crazy, honestly, trying to figure out where to throw, how to throw. I've got to say, weighted balls, I've just kind of hung a towel up over one of the, the metal poles in our, garage here at our place down here and thrown into the, thrown into the towel for the last couple of days. It's all I can really do because we're not supposed to be around anybody. Uh, and like you said, it is kind of tough because you get into a pretty serious schedule and you have a throwing program they've, they've put it in place over the whole off season, and then you get down here and it's like five days in a row of not playing catch with anybody and then your first day there, they want to bullpen. So, yeah, it's a little tough. It's just different.
2: And Jeff, I would imagine that you're getting a little bit too used to this after the shutdown last year. You guys are in Bradenton getting ready to go, and they shut things down. And for that time when we were quarantined, a lot of players didn't have the opportunity to work out. Have you found a way, aside from just going into the garage and throwing into a towel, have you found other ways to keep yourself in reasonable baseball condition?
6: Yeah. uh, Luckily, it's beautiful down here. It's not cold like it is back home. I've been very thankful for that, so can go outside and go for a run and work out and do all that stuff. But, you know, not the usual facilities you used to have for getting ready for a season, that's for sure. All this stuff kind of throws you for a curve. And like you said, last year during spring training, it was, it was crazy everything got shut down. It was uh, I was not expecting it. So hoping everything gets back to normal here soon and uh, we can just have regular spring training as business as usual.
2: And by the way, Jeff, your timing is great because Highland today—they're going to have like five to seven inches of snow at zero oh, degrees right now. It's unbelievable.
6: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm not missing that at all. That's for sure. We got out just in time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's miserable here. You absolutely got in time, out of time. Don't worry about it. Um, well, it seems like even with all the disruptions and the new protocols put into place last season, it didn't really Im- impact your performance based on what you did in 2019 as opposed to 2020. It seemed like things were trending up for you. What was the difference for you from 2019 to 2020 that let you have those improvements?
6: I think the biggest thing was... The surgery I had in the off season. I had a fracture in my foot that I was pitching on in 2019 for a, a good portion of it, and I didn't know it at the time, and it was just affecting the way I was doing stuff. It's uh, little things, especially in the foot where everything just kind of goes from there. My right foot. Uh, and last year, we, had some, we made some adjustments. My pitching coach back home, Sam Weber, who I'm good friend with and work with still. He's my high school pitching coach actually at Highland. Uh, we've done a lot of work to just try and get back to where I'm. I'm feeling good and balance and healthy. And uh, I feel even more so now I'm really excited about this year and taking a step forward on what we, what we built last year a little bit.
2: Pirates right-hander Jeff Hartlieb from Highland, Illinois, and Lindenwood joining us on 101 ESPN with Carrick and Smallman. And Jeff – I saw this with the Cardinals in the nineties and you don't remember this you're too young, but they had a really young team that had the opportunity to grow together. And then most of those guys were around when the Cardinals actually won a division in 96. How do you approach things with the pirates with such a young group? Do you, do you look at it that way? Hey, we're, we're a young team, but at some point we're going to mature into a team that really has a chance to do something.
6: Absolutely. I think you look at it as just a, a one huge opportunity. I mean, we uh, obviously everyone's seen we've traded away a lot of our older guys this year, and like I said, we have a very, very young team. I would say I'm I'm middle of the road on age in terms of oldest guys we have, and that's pretty crazy to think about, honestly. Uh, but it's just it's just a huge opportunity, you know. There's no one expects a lot out of us this year, and that's fine. But we've got some young, talented guys, and I think it'd be really fun. And a lot of these guys will show during spring training all the stuff they've been doing to get ready for this, and everyone who's got traded over obviously wants to make a name for themselves too. So you throw all that together and you never know what can happen. It's a long season.
2: Well, and Hey, last year in the shortened season, we saw the Marlins beating the Cubs in the playoffs. You said anything can happen. So it it can, right?
6: No doubt about it. And that's that's a great example. No one expected that from them. And look what they did, especially with going through those protocols. And they had to sit out and miss a bunch of games and everything. They were playing with guys from their, you know, the middle of the pack of their taxi squad there. And so, yeah, anything can happen. It's uh, Last year was a short season, but 162 is a heck of a long run.
0: Jeff, you said that no one really expects a lot out of your team. You know, we as fans or as media members, we read about predictions and about the Pocota projections and all of these things, and we get upset about them. But from a player standpoint and from a team standpoint, is that something that you guys even pay attention to?
6: I don't think so. Uh, I don't even know what that word you just said was. If that tells <laughs> anything. Uh, so I, I think you just kind of look at it from a personal perspective. Uh you try and take care of what you can. And other than that, there's not really much other you can worry about. It's obviously a team game. And uh, the wins come or they don't. But if you can take care of your job, uh, that's the first step. Everybody else takes care of theirs. You know, you put some them, put them wins together. That's all, that's all you can really do and you can think about personally. It's too long of a season and too hard of a game to worry about much more than that.
0: Well, I know, Jeff, that you'll probably be paying attention to the other teams in your division, and as a local guy, I'm sure you have a lot of Cardinal fans in your friend and family circle. So what was your reaction, and what was the reaction of your teammates when you heard that the Cardinals got Nolan Arenado? Uh,
6: Finally, I guess would be the best (laughs) way to put it. It, I feel like I've been hearing about that since I was in college. Uh, It's probably not been quite that long, but that deal's been talked about for a while, and it's pretty cool that they finally got it done. I know everyone around home's excited, and my Twitter afterwards, you'd think I was just following Cardinals fans and no no Pirate people at all. So <laughs> you guys are definitely excited about that, and I can't blame you at all. He's a great player.
2: Hey, Jeff, what was it like a couple of years ago when you came here into St. Louis with the Pirates and you'd never pitched in St. Louis? I'm sure you grew up a Cardinal fan, went to a lot of Cardinal games as a kid, but then you're standing on that mound against the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. What was that like?
6: It was uh, one of the coolest things I think I'll probably ever do, honestly running out from the bullpen, you know, I heard a little bit of a cheer from behind me. I had a lot of family and friends sitting out near the bullpen. And so just hearing that when I first ran out was really cool and kind of just kind of solidified the moment for me. And once I got out there, I didn't really think about it too much. But I will say before the game, the first day we were there, coming out for batting practice and just kind of stopping the top step because, you know, I've been right behind that dugout quite a few times watching, like you said, and actually being on there and seeing the arch and just looking around, I mean, Sorry to describe how cool it was it's just as cool as you think it might be honestly
2: that's awesome and it had to be weird last year to come in here without fans because oh boy yeah
6: right yeah my uh my wife and my mother and father-in-law actually went out to ballpark village and they sat in the bleachers up there and they tried to watch games it was raining or whatever we had a couple of double headers and we were in town at one point and uh it was extremely weird not being able to see anybody when i came back just kind of after to sit at the hotel and stay inside. You know, I've never never done that. I didn't even know the Weston was a hotel until two years ago right there. So (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's weird. And I hope that that's not like this, but if it is, you know, we'll do what we can to get it done.
0: Okay, Jeff. So last night doing some research on you, I have to ask you about your, your social media handles. It says it's Jeff, not Jeff. Your name is spelled G E O F F. So obviously for you to make it your social media handles, this is something that you're dealing with. How often do people try to call you G off?
6: Um, More than you might think. It was honestly a nickname that just kind of turned into, in college a lot of people called me that. A lot of my teammates and everyone I knew there, they called me G-O because of social media and I think more than anything. And uh, I don't mind the name at all. It's a little different. I'm okay with that. My parents did it for a reason.
2: That's fantastic. Uh, Jeff, have a great spring. Have a great season. And we look forward to seeing you here in St. Louis when the Pirates come to town. And uh, we really do appreciate your time this morning.
6: I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, guys.
2: Thanks. Take care. That's Jeff Hartlieb of the Pirates on 101 ESPN.
0: And looking at his social handles last night, Randy, He and and his wife are expecting, which is so exciting. Congratulations to
2: them. Good. So nice guy. And I I never thought of that. And by the way, the Pirates don't come to town this year until May. But think about that. You you come, you're you're with a team, you're traveling all over the country. You get home but you're sitting in a hotel, essentially in your hometown, and you can't even see your family members.
0: Oh my gosh, terrible.
2: Yeah, it's unreal.
0: And... and- we always talk about men, not machines. And we talk about how different this season and last season were for these players. But think about from a mental aspect, what that would be like. You come into town, you're so excited to be on your old stomping grounds and you can't even see the people that you want to see are the people that you love. The experience that you're waiting for is not there. That, that does take an effect on on you from a mental aspect. It's it's hard to say that it doesn't.
2: Hopefully when they come back into town and their first game here will be April 30th, The Cardinals, hopefully, by that point, will have some fans in the stands. I think they will, and certainly family and friends, at the very least, will be able to come up. But we'll get Jeff back on when the Pirates are in town at the end of April. Coming up, the Blues with a couple of wins over the Coyotes during the course of the weekend. We'll take a look back, but more importantly, take a look ahead because they're now in second place in the division. Vegas is rolling, and the Blues need to keep pace
1: with them. That's next on 101 ESPN.
2: All right, when we started 75 hard, and Michelle it actually was 75 hard. For me, it was like 27 or 29 hard, whatever it was. It was too hard, so it didn't make it to 75. But anyway, one of the rules in 75 hard was that you had to drink a gallon of water today. So Michelle walks in today, and she's got her computer bag and stuff, and I'm not really paying close attention. And then all of a sudden, she pulls out this massive jug <laughs> that she's got with her. Uh, tell us about this. I
0: mean, you could probably hear it as I <laughs> yeah. place it down. Um, so as you mentioned, we had to drink a gallon of water a day during 75 hard and that is something that I have gotten away from now that we are not on 75 hard anymore. And I was convinced that drinking that much water every day was part of the reason that I felt so good because I was I was hydrated, so I wasn't hungry, I never had headaches. And so I said to myself, I need to get one container of water that showcases a gallon so that I can just not have to worry about refilling it because that's a problem sometimes mm-hmm. with COVID. You you don't want want to use public fountains or they might not be available. So if I just fill it up once and I lug it around all day, I can reach my goal. Well, Randy, this arrived and I didn't realize how big this jug would be that contains a <laughs> gallon of water. It is bigger than probably both of my legs. It is huge. And I can barely carry it and lug it around. I can barely get it off the desk to drink the water. But you know what? It's day one. It's a new day. And we're not going to complain. We're just going to go for it. And
2: I just noticed the little motivational notes on there.
0: Yeah. It says, good morning. Hydrate yourself. Keep chugging. Don't give up. You're almost finished. So. (laughs) And just in case anyone's wondering, I have Not even gotten about 10 ounces out of this thing.
2: drink that water. That's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. we're going for it. (laughs) We have a President's Day Blues game this afternoon. No fast lane today. I'm sure they feel bad about that because the Blues are at Phoenix. Game seven of their seven-game series. Two o'clock pregame. Three o'clock with the faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And, Michelle, one of the things that I was thinking of the other night, and I didn't get a chance to ask Craig Berube about it, is he coached Ivan Barbashev while Barbashev was in Chicago, and Barbashev was nearly a point-a-game player. He, he was thought of at one point to be a top-six forward for the Blues, and He's kind of been pigeonholed, I guess, for lack of a better term, as a fourth-line guy now. I think we kind of forget what sort of skill set Ivan Barbashev has, and he's shown it here in the last couple of days, hasn't he?
0: Absolutely. He went, I believe, what, nine games without a point. And Craig Berube had a sit-down with him, and they had a one-on-one conversation, and, I, and obviously then put him in, in a different line, constructed differently. And I think that that was a reminder, not only for the Blues of what he's capable of, but for Barbie himself.
2: Yeah, he's a guy that, if put in the right position, can do a lot of really good things. And Barubi talked about that the other night.
5: Well, I mean, I think he, um, you know, relishes the, the opportunity there and um, understands just, you know, if he four checks hard and gets in there and creates loose pucks, you know, there's opportunities for him to uh, score goals. And, you know, he's done that. Tonight he got one. Um, so the line has pretty good chemistry right now, which is nice to see. Uh, and, um, so I think, you know, that's probably, you know, one of the reasons you get excited when you move up like that and you play with a couple players like O'Reilly and Peron, and he's, he's doing a good job.
0: You men- mentioned the relationship that Bruby has with someone like Barbie. It reminds me of, of Mike Schilt in a way, too. It's so beneficial for these these coaches and these managers to know these players on an intimate level, to know about their development as a player, to know what has worked for them, to know what makes them tick. And I think we we saw it with Mike Schultz in, in the case of somebody like Colton Wong, but yeah. every player needs to be coached differently. While you have a, a general identity and a general culture, some guys need to be put in a, a, a certain position to extract the best of their abilities. Other guys you can place on any line and they're going to be the difference maker. But I think it's important to have somebody like Craig Bruby who understands how to to put different players in different positions to help them succeed.
2: And there are things that are happening for the Blues that you just say, okay, well, why wasn't this happening earlier? Blues only called for three penalties on Friday night, and the the Coyotes went over 3 on the power play. They went over 2 on the power play in Saturday night's game, and those are the kinds of things that Barbashev was asked about when he was asked about the Blues' trends lately.
7: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think like every single... Uh Every single line is going, even like uh, the guys that uh, didn't play for, for a long time, like uh, Rosie, Mack, uh, today we had uh, Puganski. Those guys are going, uh, and uh, they're doing a really good job for us out there.
2: By the way, De La Rose, he mentioned He's played really well here in these two games that he's gotten the opportunity. And I wondered early in the season, Michelle, we talked about whether or not he could kind of be a a Sunquist 2.0. And he has that sort of skill set. He just needs to play. And the Blues haven't been in a position to play him. But I I wonder how good he can become because he's kind of like Oscar Sunquist, size-wise, speed-wise, the desire to forecheck. He he can do a lot of those things.
0: Also, what Sonny mentioned, or excuse me, what was mentioned there about getting all the lines going at the same time—that is so important to the Blues' success. That's critical. Remember when Tori Krug described it how it would be wave mm-hmm. after wave, that no line was a break for the the opposition to get the Blues back to that style of play, to get everybody clicking at once, and for it to just be an onslaught of an attack is going to be huge for them.
2: And Oscar Sundquist. As Joey Vitale has called him, is the engine of all of that, and he's been really tough lately. He's been playing exceptionally well, and that's something that Bruby has taken note of.
5: Well, Sonny, Sonny's you know Sonny's a warrior. We all know that he he battles hard every night, and you know I had a good feeling he was going to play tonight, and I thought he played a heck of a game. You know he's not a hundred percent, but he he does what he does, and he gets out there and gives you everything he's got on both ends of the ice.
2: There's not many guys in hockey where the team wins when they're there and they just don't win when the guy isn't there. And I can see why Joey would call him the engine of the team because when he's not there, it's like the Blues are missing a motor.
0: What did we call him on this show, Ranch? Ranch? Yeah. Because you can put yeah, him anywhere, can anywhere, and he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to make it look good or taste good, and, and we're calling <laughs> it ranch. But you could hear what an impact guy he is just by Craig Ruby's response. He was he, It elicits a laugh out right. of him. It, it's just like, a, yeah, he's a warrior. We We didn't know if he was going to play, but look what he was able to do. And that's important to have guys like that on your team.
2: Okay, I got to ask you this, and I'll give you my opinion too. Have you bought in on who yet as the backup goalie?
0: I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think that I, the more we see of him, the more we're starting to learn about him, and the more I'm starting to like what I see. Those early goals, every time I imagine Blues fans watching that being like, oh man, here we go. But he has a really short memory, which is huge for a goalie. And then after that, he seems to settle into place, and he, he looks really strong.
2: In four of his starts, he's allowed an early goal, Michelle. And in each of those starts, I'll grab my phone or my computer and start looking around for available goalies.
0: Are you serious, Randy? <laughs> Anyone that catches your eye?
2: No, there isn't. That's the problem. He has to be good. <laughs> but and, you know
0: what, though? As the game goes on, I bet you put that phone down and you start to feel better about him, right?
2: Yeah, I, I do. And that's something that Craig Ruby—he is he's notoriously patient, obviously. But he recognizes that so allows some early goals.
5: Yeah, I mean Villy Villy's a battler. That you got and you have to be if you wanna play in the NHL. I mean you gonna goals are gonna go in on you and you gotta rebound and you gotta forget about the one that went in and you gotta focus just on the next play and that's what he's doing. Good for him because
2: I have trouble with that. I I, I seriously am. I'm, I'm wondering, okay, who can we get that's not this guy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. Well, good thing he doesn't have your mentality, Randy, because it's benefited the Blues. And some of those goals that happened weren't necessarily his fault. It no. was breakdowns in front of him. And... I don't know if that helps the cause because maybe you get angry or maybe you think, well, this one wasn't on me. But whatever, whatever it is, it has been very beneficial for him and for the team that he's been able to immediately close that book and move on. Well,
2: and if you see on Twitter... That Huso is starting the Blues game. You tune in early here to 101 ESPN because some, there, there's going to be action early. That's right. Somebody's going to score.
0: Somebody's going to score.
2: And for his part, Huso working to build his confidence at the NHL level.
7: I mean, been working hard every day, and uh, you know, it's uh, help helps for uh, for games, and and uh, of course, it's like t- t- this win today was uh, big f- big for us, and. Uh, and, of course, it's big for me, too. Like, just I uh, need to battle every day and, like I said, work hard and build my confidence up.
2: Build your, That's the the bottom line there. If he builds his confidence, and he's got to be pretty confident in the fact that the Blues have come back yes. and he hasn't allowed this thing to spiral out of control when the other team does score, score early. That's what makes you a good goalie. Is when you, like Craig Bruby said, battle through and still win.
0: Also, if you listen to any of his teammates after the game, they have a lot of praise for him and the way that he was able to battle back. So I imagine, as a young goalie, that's something that will provide confidence from you for you too, as hearing your teammates praise you and early on when he would allow goals, having his teammates say that one was on us and we're Mm going to do better. but, But thank you for keeping us in this game. We got your back. And
2: how fortunate for the Blues that they can pick and choose his spots because they have such a great number one, and he might have to play 10 of the 56 in the season. So that's working out for the Blues as well. That's Michelle, I'm Randy, and this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We've got a little game of Take
1: It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And if you've never played in the fight, you'd like to participate in the fight on this President's Day, we always invite your text. Just use the word fight to 65780. And maybe you will be the one that Emily picks to fight me at 830.
0: Yeah, it's President's Day. So you're probably at home relaxing, listening to the show, drinking a coffee. You're in a good mindset to challenge Randy today. Yeah. You're not worried about dipping out at work that your boss might hear. You've got all the time in the world, so challenge him.
2: I like that idea. Come on. Text the word fight to 65780. Michelle, I've got a a daily double for you on this President's Day. Oh, let's go. All right. uh, First one, Vanessa Hudgens reports that she is dating the Pirates' Cole Tucker. Vanessa Hudgens is a pretty big female star. Uh, Take it or leave it. Just make it to the majors.
4: Take
2: it. And then the other one, and this is, uh, you kind of disagreed with me. You, you laughed. You you, you, kind of chuckled at my thought of yesterday when um, the weekend after the Super Bowl used to be for the Pro Bowl. And I said to you, I, I kind of missed the Pro Bowl yesterday. Take it or leave it. I'm the only one that missed the Pro Bowl.
0: Take it. The Pro Bowl, I don't know. I've never been entertained by the Pro Bowl. I've never been one of those people that had to watch the Pro Bowl. And that's one of those things that's steadily gotten worse as the years went on.
2: There's no doubt. But usually you have like an NBA or an NHL All-Star game or something going on or maybe some other games, but we didn't have anything else going on. So I, I was thinking, man, the Daytona 500 is delayed. There's no sports. I need the Pro Bowl. I was actually thinking that. It was
0: horrible. So what would you do instead? What would you watch instead?
2: Um, Golf. I watched the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am.
0: Which I'm sure was much better than the Pro Bowl.
2: Probably. I I was rooting for Jordan Spieth, and he choked again.
0: Yeah, I was rooting for him, too. I really want him to be back, officially back. Yeah, yeah, but he's not. Okay, Randy, so uh, JJ... Oh, by the way, really quickly, last night we were... Researching the Pirates in Mm -hmm. advance of today because we're previewing a different NL Central team, and when you Google the Pittsburgh Pirates, the first news story that comes up is about Vanessa Vanessa Hudgens dating someone from the team. Take it or leave it. That tells you all you need to know about the state of the Pirates. Yeah, I'll take that. That that's the headline (laughs) that comes up first. But what I was actually going to say is, we all know JJ Watt and the Houston Texans agreed to mutually part ways, and now he's looking for a new home. And on February 13th, Randy he tweeted a picture. of he and his wife on a rooftop, and it's just that outdoor date night. And it was covered in snow, and there was a, a landscape behind them. And of course, I looked and saw the two buildings that are the circular parking garages in Chicago. If anybody's a Wilco fan, you know it's the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot album. And I was like, okay, so this is JJ. W- There's no way that they're just hanging out on top of this snow covered rooftop for a date. He just wanted to do this to let people know he was in Chicago. Take it or leave it. J.J. Watt is really going to enjoy teasing fans where he may go before he finds a landing spot.
2: I will 100% take that. There's going to be a Lambeau Field in the background picture. Yes. Maybe from when the, the they were training there. Uh, there will be something on a beach in Miami. There's no doubt. Yes. The, he'll have something with his brothers wearing their Pittsburgh gear. Something. So there, there's no doubt. And his wife does play MLS soccer yes. in Chicago. So it was... It wasn't unusual that they would be in Chicago. But yeah, that's a great idea on his part.
0: But the the stories coming out of it were not, oh, he's there for his wife. It was, is he there to see the Bears? Yeah, right. And I would imagine for him, if you were in a situation that wasn't great for a long time, and even though he was such a beloved figure in Houston, he probably didn't feel fully appreciated within the confines of mm-hmm. his organization. And so it probably feels good to tweet a picture like that and have a, a ton of people flooding your mention saying, come to us. Yep. Don't go there. Come to us. Us, so I imagine he's going to soak that up and play a little game, like Bryce Harper did. Like Bryce Harper did,
8: yeah.
2: Emily Butcher is here. What do you have for us
8: from the six one eight? Take it or leave it. This snow sucks. Oh, who's going to leave that?
2: Um, yeah, I will. I will take it now. Youngsters that get to go out and sled might leave it they might say this is a good sledding snow art hill will probably be even though it's cold pretty crowded today so there might be some people that say it doesn't suck
0: yes it's a good snow but it is one degree it's one degree that feels like negative 18 or something. Let me pull it up. That doesn't sound like good sledding weather. That sounds like freezing. Okay, let me pull it up. My Here.
8: Apple weather app said negative zero.
2: I've got zero.
0: Feels like negative 17.
2: How do you get to negative zero, by the I way? I don't
0: even know what that means. No. Negative zero.
2: Well, my kids have that, too, on the Apple.
0: Yeah, it says negative zero. What is what that, does that mean? about? Yeah, isn't it just zero and then negative one? You would think so. Apple, let us know. What's up with that? Help.
8: From the six-three-six, take it or leave it. Matt Carpenter comes back strong and plays at second. Second, Edmond to outfield. I'm
2: going to leave that.
8: More likely,
0: Carpenter to the outfield.
2: Yes, I would say that that would be more likely because Edmund just has more range at this point. I would love to see Matt Carpenter come back and play offensively like he did a few years ago, but as you get, he's on the other side of 35 now. You just don't get better at that point, point. and the Cardinals. They've been pretty open, at least John Moselak has, about wanting to see his outfielders. you have got Dylan Carlson at right. You've got Harrison Bader, who's an elite defensive player in center. Thomas, who they like a lot. And you've got a Gold Glove winner who they think still has a chance. Powerful hitter in O'Neill and left. So I don't know where the fit would be for Matt Carpenter on a regular basis either.
0: I don't either. And, you know, I always cheer for... St. Louis teams to do well, because I want them to do well for our city, but I cheer for people a lot of times Mm -hmm. more than I, I cheer for laundry anymore. And Matt Carpenter is an easy guy to cheer for. Definitely. This is somebody who has been a great Cardinal. He loves playing here. And the biggest knock on him is that he works too hard, that he cares too much. What a legacy. You know, and I know that the numbers haven't been there for him the past couple seasons, but I really want someone like that to succeed. Because if the knock on him is that he works too hard it's and that he cares too much imagine how much this much must, must bother him internally yeah. and that that makes me sad for him
2: i do wonder by the way in his introductory press conference nolan Arenado pointed out that he and matt carpenter's families they vacation together that's right so i didn't know that i wonder if the, just having a guy like Arenado around maybe there will be a tip there maybe there will be something in the swing that Arenado will be able to unlock that previous people around carpenter haven't been able to
8: do maybe let's hope so From the 618, take it or leave it, the 5-verse-12 seed matchup between Mizzou and SLU is going to be sweet in the NCAA tournament.
2: I would take that. Now, in the initial, and this was before Mizzou lost on Saturday, in the initial rankings that the NCAA gave out, they had Mizzou as a 4. And my, my guess would be that SLU, the way things are trending for them, they'll probably be 12. Now, I would love to see Mizzou and SLU play in the first round. to be awesome. Oh
0: my gosh. It'd be crazy great. Yeah.
2: But I, I just don't think things are trending that way right now,
8: but we would love to see it. It'd be great. From the three, one, four, take it or leave it. Justin Williams hits his way onto the major league rosters.
2: I'm going to leave that. I'm going to say he makes the roster, but it's not going to be because he can hit. Really? Yeah. So he's got a really long swing unless something dramatic is happening with him. And I know the Cardinals like him a lot because the only, he's the only left-handed hitter they right. have that has any power. But when you hear people talk about him, they say, when's it going to happen?
0: I feel like we've been saying that, though, about a lot of Cardinal yeah. outfielders but over the
2: past few years. He's 27, and he's he has like 10 major league at bats.
8: Yeah. From the 573 Take It or Leave It, today is a better day at Schnooks than yesterday because the Valentine's Day candy, cookies, and cupcakes are marked 50% off. I'll take that.
0: I'm going to leave it because even though everything is fifty percent off, which is great, you also have the storm crowd and I don't wanna deal with that.
2: I'm gonna have schnooks right after our show is Are complete. You? Yes I am. And actually I'm gonna buy bread. But it's not because of emergencies or anything. It's just gonna be because we need bread. And then something is being made with buttermilk, and then I'm going to buy a couple of frozen pizzas as well. And Schnook's brand frozen pizzas are delicious.
0: Are They've never yeah. had them, yeah, but everything's really great at Schnucks. Yeah, they do. The, the only negative about Schnucks is walking by the bakery section.
2: The best bakery in town. It
0: smells so good. Yep. <laughs> you're, you're trying to get straight to produce because they have a, a great produce section and you want to eat healthy. But that, those smells from the bakery get you every time.
2: You know what I'm most proud of in the last four years? And by the way, I, I've picked up some quarantine weight. I need to lose a few pounds. But... It used to be that the day after, like, Halloween or Easter or Valentine's Day, I would load up on half-price Reese's hearts or eggs oh, or whatever. Smart play. I, don't, I don't do that anymore, though, which is even a smarter play.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> because if I've learned anything, just you can't keep it in the house. No. Uh-huh. I have no self-control. If there's sweets there, I'm going to eat them. So I just can't. I can't let them enter the doorway.
2: Have you ever seen, like, the full-pound Reese's? No the, 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 They've got massive Full pound Reese's things that l- Like it's They're two One half pound cups It's a cup Yeah it's a regular peanut, peanut butter cup And the The packaging is probably Six to eight inches tall And maybe ten Twelve inches long And I used to get those And eat them in a day
0: Are you serious?
2: Yep, yep. Loads of peanut butter They were delicious
0: uh, but how does your body allow you to do that? If I eat that much well, sugar, I'll you, start to get
2: sick. Build up a resistance to it. You that's know what? A, the like, problem.
0: just like anything, Randy.
2: Yeah, if you go in, if if you're going into the mobile on the run and buying a Reese's Big Cup every day, you're going to build up a resistance to it. Six five seven eight zero. If you've ever re- eaten one of those huge one pound Reese's cups for yourself, I'm
0: sure, it's delicious.
2: <laughs> it is great.
8: From the six three six, take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson will be in the MLB Network top 100 players right now this season.
2: Uh, Next season, yes. Not this year. He will not make it. I mean, Randy Rosarena was number 100.
8: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So Carlson's not beating that.
0: Especially the numbers that he had last season. Even though we know the surrounding factors and and why. I I would agree with you.
2: Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, our fresh take, Jack Flaherty. One is arbitration case. What's that mean for him and the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
2: Three in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, I am so pleased to know that I am not the only person that has <laughs> devoured a full-pound Reese's cup.
0: No, your people, Randy. Your people <laughs> checking in on the text line and there's surprisingly a lot of them.
2: <laughs> 65780. Oh. Yes, I've eaten both the half-pound Reese's uh, and I took them both out of the freezer, threw away the wrapper because I knew I was going to eat them both. LOL.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, We also had, without breaking a sweat, eating a pound of chocolate with hot chocolate chaser. That's impressive.
0: If you're chasing your pound of Reese's with more chocolate, respect. Big time. Big time respect.
2: How do you like this one? And I I don't know if this is really, I, I guess it's something that you have to do. Because you're like a Reese's devotee. I ate a Reese's Half Pound after giving up peanut butter for Lent years ago. So you went 40 days without peanut butter and then got that half pounder. Lots of protein. On a side note, Jordan Cairo career points per game, 0.44. This season, 0.93. When you need money, you up the ante in free agency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So So I'm proud of all these people that have uh, been able to, like I did back in the day, eat the entire giant cup.
0: I wonder how our texture from the 314 felt physically after going the 40 days without peanut butter and then eating the half pound cup. Because I know how how I felt after 75 hard of having relatively no sugar and no coffee. The first time I had coffee, it was we were on a rocket ship from here to the moment. It's a Zoom. No doubt about it. It is a Zoom. And the same thing with sugar. Yeah. And peanut butter.
2: Michelle, something more reliable than Picota. USA Today has come out with their <laughs> predictions for the 2021 baseball season.
0: They have, Randy. They have their, win, uh, their MLB win totals for 2021. They had a six-person panel, and they aggregated those together to come up with their projections. So let's take a look at the division. I'm going to go from last place to first place projections. Okay, yes. The Pittsburgh Pirates, according to USA Today, projected to win 57 games and lose 105.
2: Nailed it. (laughs) Although that might be a little bit generous in terms of wins.
0: Gosh. But I feel like our our boy Jeff Hartlieb, who we talked to earlier in the show, had the right mentality about those projections is nobody's expecting a lot out of us, so let's go out there and shock the world.
2: Yeah because that's
0: got to be really hard to it, it, get up it that. might
2: be only 49 wins man that's
0: brutal that's brutal all right coming in in fourth place the cincinnati reds who usa today projects to win 79 games and lose 83 79 and 83
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna give the reds a little bit more credit than that um uh, I I think they're a 500 team. I think they're an 81 and 81. Now, when I took eight away from the Pirates, I gave two more wins. That was my thought process. Two more wins to everybody else in the division. Smart,
0: smart. I like that math. Coming in in third place. in the First time
2: anybody's ever liked my math.
0: Yeah. Well, it was, you know. Pretty simple.
2: Yeah, it was.
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm still, we might still need to double check the work on this show. You know how (laughs) we go with math. Coming in third place, according to USA Today in the National League Central, their projections have the Chicago Cubs winning 82 games, losing 80. 82 and
2: 80. I think that's fair.
0: They're the biggest question mark for me. Because while they still have some strong talent on paper, there is a lot happening there. There's a lot happening from a clubhouse perspective from a chemistry standpoint, you have Chris Bryant publicly in the offseason saying he's not having fun anymore. There's the looming threat of him getting moved still. I don't know how that's going to affect the team. You Darvish isn't with them anymore. There's, there's just a lot of stuff to consider with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah.
2: You have basically traded Yu Darvish for Jake Arrieta. Not really an upgrade. You've traded Kyle Schwarber for, uh, Jack Peterson. That's not really an upgrade. Uh, Albert Almora isn't there anymore. Uh, they aren't what they were, and they don't have much pitching depth. Their closer sucks. I think 82 would be a really good year for them. I think that would be a heck of a job by David Ross.
0: Coming in second in the National League Central, according to USA, USA Today, is the Milwaukee Brewers. 83 and 79 is their projected record. 83 and 79.
2: That's the team that I have the most difficulty reading, and I kind of thought that they would get Justin Turner. I don't think their offense is going to be great. I think it'll be serviceable. And Yellich has to bounce back. We don't know if he's going to or not. Right. But we're assuming he will. But I don't know what they do if they lose a starting pitcher. I think that's the biggest issue for them. And that's why, obviously, the one team left is the Cardinals. Cardinals have a ton of depth of starting pitching. It might not be great depth, but they'll, there are people that can take the ball and give you four or five innings. A lot of people that can do that. And the Brewers just don't have a ton of those guys. Neither, neither do the Cubs.
0: As you mentioned, that leaves our St. Louis Cardinals coming in first place in USA's USA Today's National League Central projections. They have the Cardinals winning 90 games, losing 72. 90 and 72 for the Cardinals.
2: And I'm going to give the Cardinals those extra two wins, so I'm going to go 92 and 70. And I think having them win the, the division by about seven games, I think, is reasonable. I think that's where they stand right now. And what it's going to come down to for the Cardinals, I think, is the health of the big boys. You got to keep Arenado and Goldie healthy. By the way, I, I don't know if you saw the note on Twitter where there was a great piece at MLB.com, and I've got it up on Twitter. But since 2015, Arenado is third and Goldschmidt fourth in Major League Baseball war. Trout 1, Betts 2, Arenado 3, Goldschmidt 4 since 2015. Wow. So if if you want superstars and you're an analytics person, you got to think, well, that's pretty good.
0: Well, think about how that acquisition has changed the Cardinal projections as far as wins. What did most people have them winning prior to that acquisition? Maybe 87, 88. And now they're projected in the 90, 92 range. So there you go. Made a difference. Yes, it did.
2: Now, one of the keys for the Cardinals is going to be keeping Jack Flaherty healthy. He has just over three years of MLB experience. So he's three years away from free agency. He will be a Cardinal for 2021. He won his arbitration case against the Cardinals. He asked for $3.9 million. The Cardinals had offered three. And so he'll make that 3.9. And he tweeted the famous Jordan meme, Michelle. And I took that personally.
0: He did. He did tweet that. We know Jack Flaherty, Yadier Molina's vehicle of choice on social media is Instagram. Mm -hmm. Jack Flaherty's is, is Twitter. We know that he is very vocal about what he thinks, whether it's about this arbitration hearing or about the issues going on with the owners and the MLBPA or social justice issues. He's very vocal on social media. So you knew that this was coming. But if he's taking it personally, that the Cardinals didn't believe he had the same value, and he wins. what does that what does that do for the way that he views the organization?
2: He can't view it in a great light. There's no way a team goes into an arbitration hearing against a player and says, oh yeah, he's awesome. He should beat us in arbitration. They try to point out the negatives and Jack Flaherty obviously does take some things personally that on Twitter and I took that personally so I think that's part of the equation the fact that he is a Southern California guy he's always loved the Dodgers and the Dodgers are going to have a ton of money coming off of the books if you're the Cardinals after 2021 and you look at what his history is and what the landscape of baseball is and and you have to concern yourself also with what the situation is going to be with the collective bargaining agreement that's an aside but I think with two years left on the deal, if you're the Cardinals, you have to kind of figure that he's going to be gone after two more years and start looking at what you can get for him.
0: I would... I don't want to say be shocked because with the pandemic, things are different from a financial standpoint. Like, the landscape is different in sports right now. But I would... I I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave or that he's going to want to test the waters and probably command more money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he's the type of player that and and maybe I'm wrong because of the the financial landscape of things that would want to get something done early because he doesn't know about how the ripple effects of, of this pandemic are going to affect you know, the different teams out there, mm-hmm. because there's always going to be the Dodgers who are going to spend money. And this seems like a guy, as we've seen with arbitration, that's willing to bet on himself. He believes in his skills, he believes that he's worth X amount of dollars. And now you have. This ruling in favor of him Which is only going to strengthen that argument Now he's certainly going to have to go out there This season without any any Limitations on him like there were last year And prove it he's he's gonna have to prove it That he's worth what he's hoping he's Going to get if he if he gets to free agency But part of what Makes him great is that fire Is that competitive Mm -hmm. nature all the Great ones have that so I, I don't blame him for thinking he's great or for wanting to bet on himself or or wage this battle versus the Cardinals, because all of those factors contribute to why he's good. Exactly. It's, it's that roiling intensity. But I do think for somebody whose idol is Kobe Bryant and who's from California and who would probably love to go home and an organization in the Dodgers that would spend money. It does seem like all things are trending that way. Sure,
2: And he's looking at what the Dodgers gave Trevor Bauer, what Clayton Kershaw's made over the years, what Garrett Cole got from the Yankees, $324 million. And if you're the Cardinals on the flip side, you look at the Chris Sale trade, who was highly successful with the White Sox and with two years left on, three years left on his deal, actually, they were able to get a, a couple of really key players, Yoa Moncada and Michael Kopech. The value for... Flaherty is never going to be higher than it is after the 2021 season, because a team doesn't want to give up a haul for just one year of Flaherty with the chance of not getting anything for him in free agency.
0: Absolutely, we're going to learn so much about him this season. If if you want to be Kobe, if you want to be Michael Jordan, if you want to take that personally. If you want to have that Mamba mentality, now is the time to prove it. Now is the time to prove it because those guys could say those things, but they also delivered. They showed up in the big moments.
2: And if he wins 22 games and has a 1.92 ERA, then everybody, uh, everybody among Cardinal Nation, him, Cardinals fans, everybody should be happy. Yes. Because he'll max his value out Absolutely. and the Cardinals can get a, a boatload for him. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, joins
1: us as he does every Monday morning on Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
2: The St. Louis Blues will go for their third win in a row this afternoon, a President's Day game in Glendale, Arizona against the Coyotes. Seventh game of the series. It happens at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock with the pregame here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the voice of the Blues. Chris Kerber, kind enough to join us as he does on Monday mornings. Kerbs, how you doing?
3: Randy, I'm doing great. How are you guys today?
2: Everything's good. I, I like seeing the way the Blues have bounced back here in these two games in in Arizona. It was interesting. I asked uh, Craig Bruby the other day, I said, once you get on the ice with small or no crowds, is the game much different? And he, he said what we all would think, that no, it's really not. It's All you do is travel to the games, but once the game starts, there isn't a bunch of, of difference between playing on home ice or on road ice these days.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't think so because, uh, you know, you just don't have the crowds to make it feel all that different. And, you know, unlike unlike some of the baseball stadiums of old, you know, it's not like you're dealing with dimensions or like when you used to go into the old Boston gardens and the the rink was a little bit smaller and and the upper deck actually hung out close to where people could throw hot pennies to melt (laughs) in the ice from the upper deck. So, um, and and I know of some people that used to do that actually. So, um yeah it's it's one of those things where i think the team continues to learn to battle through that and and as a result uh, i think that's why you've seen now three really competitive good games the last three against arizona
0: curbs are you sick of seeing the coyotes yet
3: i'm about done it'll be nice to prepare (laughs) for a different team after today I, i was thinking about this and i mean and it's not lost on any of us but good lord it is funny that that this series started on Groundhog Day, isn't it? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And you know what? We, Michelle and I were talking about this earlier. It's no surprise that they're 3-3 and they've all essentially been one-goal games because the teams are somewhat mirror images of each other in their style because Berube and Tocket are kind of the same style of guys. And I think we have a tendency, Curbs, especially because we don't see Arizona as much. They play the Blues really tough all the time anyway. But that's, that's not a bad hockey team that the Blues are going against either.
3: No, they're well-coached. They've got some good young talent. When, when you're fortunate enough for a fifth-round draft pick like a Connor Garland to start playing like he did and like he has, and all of a sudden that joins a high you know, draft pick like a Clayton Keller, now, now you've got something. Now the difference is, though, is they really just are not as deep as the St. Louis Blues. No. And, and and reality is, is if the St. Louis Blues in any way, shape, or form in these previous six games could have an answer to somehow – you know, prevent that top line from getting on the score sheet, then these games would look very, very different. That it has been the Connor Garland, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz show, all six games. And uh and yeah, I mean I know I know Hayton has scored. I know a couple of guys have scored and mixed in some others, but the pressure, the 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 ability, the the um the consistency hasn't been there throughout the rest of their lineup. So that's where the blues really need to be able to take uh, some charge there and I think that's what's happened in these last couple of games but man you gotta the old phrase give credit where it's due I mean the, that that line for Arizona has just been something the blues haven't had an answer for and you know you gotta like you gotta like Rick Tockett kind of playing the, the Bruce Cassidy uh, we're supposed to get more penalties uh, called yeah. for us uh, role from from a couple of days ago I, I'd suggest that that you know connor garland and clayton keller and some of those others that are really a lot better on their skates are probably more
0: of his videos of vladimir tarasenko back out there on the ice we know that he was traveling with the team and it seems like everyone is really encouraged by what they're seeing out of him but what have you been hearing about vladys potential return if anything
3: nothing really other than it's good to see him out on the ice he's looking good uh, you all saw the video of him shooting to the net uh, which is positive him getting around the team, which is a good feel, is, is also positive. But we're still a couple of weeks, uh, a few weeks away from that, I think, really being impactful for the St. Louis Blues. And that's just fine with me right now. Just whatever it takes, as long as it takes, so when he's able to come back, he's able to come back healthy and ready and not likely to re-injure it is, is the most important thing. And you know what? And the Blues are hovering your first place. They keep leapfrogging with Vegas. Vegas beat Colorado one nothing last night, so that's a – that's actually a positive, and um, you know, and and just stay near the top, keep that win percentage in that six fifty or higher range, and, and so you're giving yourself a good shot at the playoffs. And then when he's ready, you're 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 welcoming him back in a really good spot.
2: And curb something, and especially if the Blues get going when he comes back, something is going to have to happen chemistry-wise on this team because the Blues are going to have to find a million and a half dollars that they remove from the roster. So, And I know we're talking two, three, four weeks down the line, but the fact of the matter is his entire $7.5 million salary accelerates into the cap, and right now the Blues are roughly $6 million under.
3: Yeah, so, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's also part of the timing here. You know, depending on when he comes back, how much more cap space do the Blues have? have they saved by – moving guys to and from the taxi squad. How how, how do they manipulate the system? this show? The health of other guys. What is the health of a Tyler Bozak? You know, do you move another guy from, from, uh, from the IR to long-term IR, things like that. And so that's, that's the old Larry Plow. We'll, we'll address that uh, when it comes right. because these, I mean, it is amazing how they do tend to work themselves out, isn't it? And, and you have, you know, go back a couple of years ago. Remember when Chicago, no, I don't think this will happen this year with the Blues because I think Vladimir should be ready, you know, pretty uh, a good distance before the playoffs. Remember when Patrick Kane? Uh, I think they went out and they got a Nisimov or something, somebody like that, and Patrick Kane was ready to come off of IR about two weeks before the playoffs started. Yeah, I that. We're we're just going to keep him on IR until the playoffs start. That way, because you know, in the playoffs, you're not worried about the salary cap, so. I'm not suggesting that that's the case. I'm just using that as an example of there are ways to work around those scenarios.
0: Curbs, what have been your impressions of what you've seen out out of Huso? It seems like after that first goal goes in, he's able to compartmentalize, turn the page, and put together a pretty strong performance after that.
3: You know, I was trying to think about this uh, because it it was so familiar, and I think it might have been Jake Allen. when, When Jake Allen was getting started, there was about three or four games in a row where he gave up. A goal right on the first shot, and then he locked it down. I I I thought Billy Huso was really really good in the last game. We gave him one of the stars of the game, and I, I that would bother Rick Wamsley a lot because uh, he, he it bothered him when the goaltenders gave up that many. And I'd say, but Rick, he played really well because he, he let them don't too many goals. I said, okay, we'd argue about it, but they, they he both the Blues goaltenders have got to play that well, and and I like what Joey said in the post game show. You know, we actually you just saw some good hockey goals in that game. You know, I'm not even sure you're going to blame, you're not going to blame Mountie Ranta for that shot by Mike Hoffman. Right. I mean, that was just a snipe and a great shot in overtime. So I think, I think Billy's settling in a little bit. I thought he looked really good in that game. I mean, after allowing the first goal, he stopped the next 15 shots and had to make some really, really good saves in there, Michelle. So, so that's a positive sign. And the, look at that's now what four or five NHL starts total in his career. So I think he's coming along just fine. I think the team has some confidence in him, both the players in front of him and himself, which is critically important, um, you know, and and you keep plugging ahead. I think it became really, really important for the Blues to win that game for those reasons, and, and I'm glad they did.
2: Hey, Curbs, one last thing from me. Before this abbreviated season started, we kind of thought with the Honda West division that it would be the Blues, the Golden Knights, and the Avalanche, and there they are, one, two, three in the division do you still think that those three separate themselves from the rest of the division with Anaheim and Arizona might maybe being in the middle and then Minnesota, the Kings and the Sharks uh, at the bottom part?
3: Yeah. You know what? I put Minnesota up in that middle pack too. Now keep in mind they haven't played so well. I mean, they've got four fewer games played than, uh, than Anaheim and Anaheim is right now in that fourth spot. Um, you know, there was a feeling that one of those California teams would, would jump up in there, but yeah, I, I do think that over the course of this season, that cream is going to continue to rise and that should be the case for the blues, Vegas and Colorado. And it's helpful right now that Vegas and Colorado are playing each other. So if the blues could get a win today, you know, that if you're the same as those blues, you're either moving further ahead or Colorado's having less of a chance to catch you. or, you know, or you're going to leapfrog right back over, you know, Vegas again. And with the unevenness of the games played right now, that's, that, that's a bit of a, of a, of a factor. You've got to keep an eye on when you look at the standings, but, I think that again, when you have the start in your Anaheim, you got to where where they were able to get to, or the kind of play that Arizona's had, you've given teams that might not have been in there a, a hope, and that hope is a huge thing in a shortened season. But I think you've definitely, I, I think you're definitely right now looking at the Blues, Vegas, Colorado as those top three to keep battling, unless one of them really falters and slides. You know, those three you, you are huge favorites in this division. And then I, I like the battle for that next spot to come from what we're seeing from Arizona, Anaheim, and Minnesota. And right now you might have to favor Minnesota in that one just because of the game's played factor.
2: And we should note that Nathan McKinnon returned for Colorado last night, too. That's a huge get back for them.
3: Well, I mean, you want to talk about fortunate. I mean, the the, the COVID bug hits and, and, and you're able to do it while your top player was injured with a lower came back and now they were still shut out by vegas 1-0 and then vegas was shut out 1-0 in the previous game that they had played too so you know it it, those are some great battles those are some good ones that are going to be able to be seen but that's also why randy so many people because you just don't know how the rest of the season is going to pan out are, are looking at win percentage as much as they're looking at points so these last two games for the blues are huge because prior to that Colorado actually had a higher win percentage than the St. Louis Blues even though they didn't have a, uh, as many points. So, keep an eye on the win percentage aspect of the standings as well.
2: Curbs, is always great to talk to you. Thank you very much. We'll be tuned in this afternoon for the
3: Blues and the Coyotes Game 7. All right, stay warm today people and we'll uh, we'll, we'll bring you some afternoon hockey. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Sounds great. Nothing like a Game 7, is there Michelle?
0: Best two words in sports, right? <laughs> well, most times. <laughs> game 7. Blues Bruins Stanley Cup final that day was maybe the most stressed out I've ever been it was awesome it it was awesome but it was also terrible yeah
2: that's what makes it awesome
0: Oh man. <laughs> Do you remember that feeling though leading yeah. up to that game? I just kept thinking this is either going to be the best or the worst day in the history of St. Louis Sports. It's going to be the best or the it worst. It was the best. It was the best. It ended up being the best, but man, was that nerve-wracking. So it's nice to have a game seven that doesn't feel as stressful. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> we have the fight coming up next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Carricker and Smallman on this President's Day, on a cold and snowy President's Day. I hope most people listening are at home, safe, taking the day off. If not, be careful out there. Be careful out there. Well, let's welcome in Randy's Challenger today. Chris is with us, and Chris, I have been told that when you submitted your name to fight, you said, quote, Randy is weak. Did I get that correct?
9: I, I took pointers from uh, late last week, so I figured I'd give it a try and see what happened. So,
0: Okay, Chris, but do you remember how that one turned out? And do you remember my advice? Do not poke the bear.
9: Yeah, but <laughs> sometimes you got to poke the bear and run. And they, I believe he did win and go on to the next day, so he we'll did. see.
0: He did. Good memory. He did go on to the next day, but Randy wasn't pleased with the trash talk. So we'll see what
9: happens. I'm a a huge fan and listen every morning. So even if I go zero and four, I get to check it off the bucket list.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, Chris. We appreciate you. Well, good luck today. Good luck to you, all right? Thank you. Question number one for you, Chris. Which Cardinals pitcher combined for 21 wins in the 1992-93 season before or excuse me, in 92-93 before missing the entire 94 season with an injury? Let me give you that one more time since I messed it up. Which Cardinals pitcher combined for 21 wins in 92-93 before missing the entire 1994 season with an injury? Was it Bob Tewksbury, Donovan Osborne, or Joe McGrain?
7: Mm.
9: So, let's see, that was right before the lockout. What was the second one?
0: The options were Bob Tewksbury, Donovan Osborne,
8: or Joe McGrain.
9: Let's go with Osborne, since that's the only one I know.
8: Okay, your second question. Who served as head coach of the football Cardinals from 1980 to 85 and later as a member of the Rams broadcast crew? Was it Larry Wilson Jim Hannafin, or Gene Stallings? Um,
9: I'll take a random guess and go see.
0: Gene Stallings? Yes. Okay. Question number three, Chris. What Blues captain did the team trade to the Tampa Bay Lightning on February 18th, 2011? Was it Eric Brewer, Dallas Drake, or David Backus?
9: Um, seems like I should know this one. Let's go Bacchus.
8: And last question. What Cardinals pitcher led the team with 24 saves during the championship 2011 season? Was it Fernando Salas, Jason Mott, or Ryan Franklin?
9: Uh, let's see. Franklin would have been... I don't think he was 11. Salas. Let's go, mom. All
0: right. We're checking our score here.
9: That's and- horrible. You probably don't have to check it, Michelle.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we have a discrepancy here, so we need to make... Are you sure? Okay. Randy, is-, is he coming back in? Yes, he is. Chris, I hope that you are staying home today. I hope you have the day off.
9: I actually worked third shift, so I was making the trip home and... Happened to text Emily and got it, so oh. I'm actually still sitting in my driveway, sit, staying warm.
0: Oh, awesome! Well, I'm glad that you're safe somewhere, Randy. Please say good morning to Chris, and I just want you to know when he submitted his name to compete in the fight, it said Chris slash Randy is weak. Just oh, to Chris! Throw, just that's not uh, that, that,
2: that what they said about uh, Tom Brady on the commercial? Yeah, that's what they said. Okay.
9: That's true, but sometimes you got to face your fears, Randy. You got to stand up to them.
2: <laughs> I love it, Chris.
9: Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing.
0: He's also our people, Randy. Hey, thanks for having me. He listens every day, so we're fans of Chris. Love you, Chris. <laughs> love, you. <laughs> okay. love you
9: too, guys. Uh,
0: question number one, Randy What Cardinals pitcher combined for 21 wins in 92 93 before missing the entire 94 season with an injury?
2: 92 93 and the missed 94. 21 wins, so that Tewksbury was way above that. Um, I'll do the uh, I'll do the old lifeline here.
0: Is it Bob Tewksbury, Donovan Osborne, or Joe McGrain?
2: Okay, Joe McGrain had already had his surgery by then, so Donovan Osborne.
8: Randy, who served as head coach of the football Cardinals from 1980 and later as a member of the Rams? Did I, I'm
2: sorry. Uh, this is Coach Hannafin. Jim Hannafin.
8: You don't need to get it right,
0: Emily. He's going to know that one. <laughs> Question number three. What Blues captain did the Blues trade to the Tampa Bay Lightning on February 18th, 2011?
2: February 18th, 2011, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Boy, was it that long ago? Uh, let's see. 2011 that would have been uh, yeah I guess so Eric Brewer
8: and what Cardinals pitcher led the team with 24 saves during the championship 2011 season
2: 2011 uh, Fernando Salas
8: Chris I warned you don't poke the bear
6: <laughs> be all right.
0: go crazy folks go crazy
1: we have a winner and still Randy
0: Carriker.
1: Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
0: When someone says that Randy is weak, he only (laughs) operates from a position of strength. He came out, got all four correct. Sorry, Chris. He beat you four to one. to one hey I got one right I'm happy that's strong that's right that's right (laughs) it's better than four to zero I was gonna say Chris better than a lot of people better than me the only one I would have probably gotten is Jim Hannafin um okay so let's reveal the answers it was Donovan Osborne he combined for 21 wins in 92 93 before missing the entire 1994 season with an injury Chris got that one right it was Jim Hannafin who served as the head coach of the football Cardinals from 1980 to 1985 and was later a member of the Rams broadcast crew and what a broadcaster he was he was great he Was great. The Blues captain that they traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning on February 18th, 2011, was Eric Brewer. And Fernando Salas led the Cardinals with 24 saves during that 2011 championship season. Chris, thank you for listening every day and thank you for playing. We appreciate you.
9: Hey, thank you for having me, guys. And can I give a shout out? Yes. I just want to say I didn't get my wife anything for Valentine's Day and um, she just beat breast cancer last year. So I just want to say I love you Aspen and happy late Valentine's Day. Well,
2: we're thrilled that we were able to provide you that opportunity and uh, we're we're also happy that she beat breast cancer and we're we're so thankful that you have your family together on Valentine's Day.
0: Absolutely. I greatly
2: appreciate it. Next time I have a sports almanac with me. <laughs> all right, Chris. Hey, stay stay warm and stay safe, all right? Take care. You too, guys. Thank you. See you. Chris with us on 101 ESPN.
0: And shout out to Aspen. congratulations yeah. yep. for ding, ding, ding. beating cancer. Ring the bell. But yeah. if you didn't get, your Bride, a Valentine's Day gift, giving her, and I Love You Shout out on the radio. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good February 15th Yeah, that's gift.
2: pretty strong. And he pretty can strong. actually play that for her on, if she didn't hear it live, we do our uh, podcast. After every show, you can go to 101ESPN.com or the app or anywhere you get your podcast, the Carriker and Smallman podcast, and it's brought to you by I Promise.
0: So he should definitely download that so that she can hear the shout out.
2: Definitely. Coming up, last week, we were in the office talking about Getting baseball guests during this time where all the baseball people are quarantined. And I said, it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> and then I said to Emily and Michelle, why do we say that? And we started coming up with things. Why do we say that? And we're going to talk about that next on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: All right, we're talking metaphors here on character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Yeah. A simile, as it were. And I still don't understand, Michelle, why we have a phrase, shooting fish in a barrel. I think, and I said it, but when you think about it, it sounds disgusting. It is disgusting. It's cruel. And I don't know why you would do it. Why? Why would you shoot a fish in a barrel? Because if you're going to shoot a fish in a barrel, you're not going to be able to eat it, right?
0: Yeah, and it just seems... Very unnecessary. It seems like a very difficult path to get your end result. Why not just take the fish, put them in a barrel with no water, and let them suffocate, which sounds bad, but
2: and I'm actually they've got looking, gills, man. I'm, they
0: need to be in water.
2: I'm actually looking at a picture of a barrel with no water and a bunch of fish just laying in the bottom.
0: Yeah, and if you're going to shoot the fish, you can't. You certainly can't eat them.
2: Yeah, and there there are so many of these. Like, he wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Well, of course—
0: yeah, what's the point of getting a cake if you can't eat it?
2: Yeah, it, that makes no sense to me. So, yeah, everybody wants to have their cake and eat it, too. There's no scenario in which somebody just wants to go out, go to that fabulous Schnooks Bakery and buy a cake and then go home and not eat it, right?
0: Um, yes, and I would imagine that it would be more strange for someone to procure the cake from the Schnooks Bakery and not eat it.
2: Yeah, it would be, no doubt.
0: You know, oh, I just went to get a cake. For what? To look at it. Yeah. To smell it.
2: Now, if if no. you make a cake, maybe you want to look at it for a while, but ultimately you want to eat it too. Everybody wants to have their cake and eat it too. So you can weigh in here with phrases like this. For example, and this is another one we used the other day simply because it's so ridiculous. Why would anybody ever beat a dead horse? Under what circumstances <laughs> could you have a, an idea where one of your friends or you Would go over to a horse and maybe you have a whip or uh, maybe you got a stick or something. The, The horse is laying on the ground; it's clearly dead. Maybe there's flies around that horse, and you start beating it.
0: So bizarre. I mean, I get the I get what the saying is is meaning. As in, you wouldn't need to continue on beating the horse because it's already dead. As in, we don't need to keep rehashing the same issue. It's like beating mm-hmm. a dead horse. But who came up with that phrase? Who thought, you know what, you know what comparison I'm going to make now for this exhaustive <laughs> argument is about a dead horse? Yeah.
2: Hey, that's that's what I'm thinking is. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about a dead horse. I'm going to actually look where to see where that came yeah, from. Yeah, let's
0: get the origin on some of these things. We need that now. This one. I think it's pretty controversial. People Mm -hmm. say money can't buy happiness, and a lot of people say incorrect. Like to give it a try. It can't. But I do think that happiness is an inside job and that a lot of people worldwide who don't have things monetarily are the happiest people. So, but I'll tell you this, money certainly is a stressor. If you don't have it, it could cause a lot of problems in your life.
2: Absolutely, it could. And another one, Michelle, that uh, we are aware of because of the hours in which we work It's not a given that it's darkest just before the dawn. Because just before the dawn, the sun is starting to come up.
0: Yeah. Great call. So So it is actually not.
2: Probably darkest 3 in the morning, something like that. Where you... The moon's pretty high. It's probably darkest, like, early in the evening, right? It's probably darkest right after... Or hours after dusk. When the moon isn't all the way up and the sun's all the way down.
0: But I think what they're saying is when things get really bad... Keep in mind that good times are ahead. As soon as it gets dark, that's when things start to open up. I know
2: up. what that's what they're trying to say, but it's just a stupid way to get to it. It really
8: is. It really is.
2: By the way, the phrase of beating a dead horse is generally believed to come from the 19th century when beating a horse to make them go faster was common. Logically, beating a dead horse is pointless as it can't move.
0: Mm. Can I give you this one from the 618 mm-hmm. because we're getting a, a bunch of submissions on the text line? Yeah. They're selling like hotcakes. When was there a huge demand for hotcakes?
2: That's a great <laughs> question. I love that one. Yeah, we should because, find that out. Yeah, the, even like at IHOP, they have to, they have to sell all you can eat. So they aren't selling a well, maybe they are selling a bunch of them, but they aren't really selling like hotcakes. They're giving them away because it's after your first couple, it's it's all you can eat.
0: The idiom to sell like hotcakes comes from the United States where the term hotcake was coined in the 19th century. It's simply a synonym for a pancake. The origin of this is largely undocumented and has led most to believe it simply comes from pancakes being a popular item for sale at fairs and festivals. Okay. So I can imagine at maybe the World's Fair when waffles and pancakes are being created, you know, people get word of that. They're going to wait in line. They're going to yeah. wait in line for those hotcakes.
2: Oh, I've got another one for you, and this just came via the text line from the 573. Could you imagine this one? Uh, At the top of our news tonight, five on your side, a St. Louis woman has been arrested for throwing her baby out with the bathwater. Yeah,
0: what? (laughs) Yeah, what is that one about?
2: I don't know. I don't know how people have come up with these. Also, you
0: don't throw out the bathwater. You're draining it these days, so that one doesn't even make sense. Yeah.
2: So I don't think that that's a very healthy thing for the baby.
0: No, I I wouldn't say no.
2: All I did was type throw, and Google came up with throw the baby out with the bathwater.
0: From the 314, opening a can of worms. Who is really canning worms, and who is buying them?
2: (laughs) It's another great one. See, you got this figured out, you folks. (laughs) The cat got your tongue.
0: Yeah, what's that about? Why would so, a cat ever have your tongue? So you Why can't
2: you... talk. That's pretty bad if you're that intimate with your cat that you're allowing it to, like, bite your tongue so that you can't talk.
0: Is You know, I'm not a cat person, Randy, so cat people 65780, is that something you're doing is letting your cat that close to your mouth that it could, in fact, snag your tongue? Because I'm telling you what, my dog's not getting that close.
2: No, and I can't imagine that cat people do that either. Mike Ryder is here, cat person. Uh, does the cat ever get close enough to your tongue so that you can't talk? That's a question. No, he says no.
0: Okay. Well, then I don't know where it came from. (laughs) So
2: there's a lot of these happy as a clam. Have you ever seen a happy clam?
0: No, usually they're dead and on my plate.
2: Yeah, right. And they (laughs) they don't even have eyes or a way to smile, do they?
0: No, usually they're not pumped. No. I'm pumped to be eating them.
2: (laughs) Uh, Finding a needle in a haystack. That's quite a challenge.
0: That one's a good one because I don't know where it came from. I don't know the origin of that, but you really do feel the difficulty of finding a needle in a haystack. You do When someone right, uses that hard, saying, yeah. you understand. You yeah. feel that one.
2: And then one uh, from uh, that Michael Vick used a lot, a dog-eat-dog dog world. You
0: know what, Randy? How did I know that we were going there?
2: I'm just saying it happened. It's reality. It wound up in the courts.
0: Are dogs eating dogs?
2: Well, they're biting them.
0: But I don't think they really go army Hammer and, like, cannibal style.
2: Well, I, I hope not. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. The, that's the only scenario in which I could see it happening.
0: One more from the 314. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Why are we skinning cats, and why are we developing multiple ways to do it? <laughs> You're exactly right. You people have it all figured out. And you know what? When someone first said that, I wonder how the person that they were saying it to was like, yeah, absolutely. There is more than one way
2: to skin yeah, a cat. Let's think. And I wonder what the multiple ways are. Yeah. I mean.
0: But if someone said that to you first, and you didn't know that that was a popular saying, oh, yeah. would you be like, What? Are you skinning cats in your free time? And how how many ways have you developed to do this? I, w- I would think that that person was crazy, but it's just a popular saying.
2: This was Hannibal Lecter's gateway.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Are, getting- are you using different tools to skin the cat? I mean, right. what's the deal here?
2: Clarice, there's more than one way to skin a person.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That won't bother me.
2: Love your texts. Thank you very much for playing it, uh, 101 ESPN. Coming up with Carriker and Smallman, today's a big thing, and we're going to talk to a couple of presidents next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: It's 9.02 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle, I'm Randy. It is President's Day, so we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Blues Hockey this afternoon at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock face-off here on 101 ESPN. The president of your St. Louis Blues is Chris Zimmerman, kind enough to take a moment with us this morning. Happy President's Day, sir. How are you?
4: Well, I'm doing great, Randy, I and feel quite honored to be called out on President's Day by you guys.
0: Well, hopefully, Chris, the Blues give you a nice win today with an afternoon game. Hopefully, they give you their third win in a row and take this Game Seven versus the Coyotes.
4: Yeah, it's, it's uh, <laughs> this has been a strange one for sure, but not surprising that in um, you know in this pandemic year and where we're all adapting daily, weekly, hourly. Uh, that we would end up having a seven seven consecutive games in what the third week of the season against one team. Pretty pretty wild. That's amazing.
2: Hey Chris, we wanted also to just to get an update, you talk about the pandemic and adapting. Where we stand in terms of getting more fans into the stands. You're right at fourteen hundred. Is that where you're gonna be for a while or do you have any idea?
4: No, I, I think Randy, we're we're gonna um we're gonna be able to keep moving that up i'm going to use the word um moderately i think we've also decided we probably should we we probably don't need the biggest story about our team each week to be how many people we have in the building when we're adding hundreds at a time but um you know we're pleased that um in, in working with the city we've been able to um you know start very very modestly And we're continuing to to move the numbers up a little bit. The, uh, you know, March is, uh, we've got two other non hockey events coming into the building in March. Uh, Obviously, Arch Madness in early March, and then followed up by the NCAA uh, Wrestling Championships. So not only are we focused on what's happening around the number of fans and capacity we can safely bring into the building just for us, but also for those key events coming up in March.
2: Well, we're thrilled that uh, you do that for the Blues, for St. Louis, for the fans, and we just wanted to get you on the air to wish you happy President's Day. Enjoy it, sir.
4: All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the hockey.
2: All right, we will. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you soon. Now we move from the uh, president of your St. Louis Blues to the president of your St. Louis Cardinals. Bill with the third is also with us on the Brown and Croupin celebrity line. Bill with Michelle, this is Randy. Good morning and pre- happy President's Day.
10: <laughs> hey, Randy, Michelle. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: So, Bill, I'm sure
10: that's why they created the day, right, for people like me. Definitely.
0: Well, in our world, this is what we're celebrating, the presidents of our sports team. And, Bill, do you expect your your teammates over there at the Cardinals, your staff, to get you a gift? Or is the acquisition of Nolan Arenado the gift that's still giving even today?
10: <laughs> that's definitely the gift that's giving. Um, you know, it's pretty exciting. we uh, It's been a while since we've had some buzz down there in the office and even though it's still a kind of a skeleton crew everybody's you know energized and fired up and um even the zoom calls are a little more energetic (laughs) hey
2: bill i know that you're a big proponent of the the war stat and analytics and you pay attention and you know what what they're all about to have two guys arenado third in war in major league baseball since, since 2015 goldschmidt fourth for that stat that's a pretty big statement in all of major league baseball to have three and four in mlb
10: yeah and that's a long stretch there i hope the both guys can keep that going obviously we're banking on that but um you know um as you know we uh, uh as the cardinals can occasionally make a big splash we can't do it every year you know with multiple guys every year but um, you know our pattern has been able to kind of find that right spot, and I think with Arenado we've done that. Certainly with Goldie we did it, and um, over time, you know, we've been able to. You know, the guys that we've really banked on uh, have been great players for us, and you know I think about guys like Holiday and McGuire and Edmonds and Roland and you know the, the big ones, and they've they've been great players and, and great um, teammates, and and they've been good community guys. So. I think we've got all of that in in Arnauto as well.
2: Hey, Bill, we wanted to talk to you just a little bit, just to get a a quick answer about what we were talking to Chris about. I know that you've approached the city and started talking about getting fans into the stands. What's your expectation for opening day? Do you think you'll be able to get fans into the stands on opening day?
10: I'm hopeful. You know, I I, I don't want to, you know, put the odds, but I I think they're good for at least some number. Um, We've... um, we're looking at trying to make make it work with about uh, just under thirty percent capacity. We think we can, but obviously the city has a lot to say about that, and um, those those uh, discussions are sort of ongoing. But you know, I I heard the end of Chris's um, thing, and um, you know they're doing a good job of ramping slowly back up. And uh, you know, I'm hoping we can we don't have to start with just friends and family on opening day. That would be disappointing, but. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get a a chunk of people in there and then, you know, the, the real question for us is when does it go unrestricted? You know, and I think, um, we're kind of hoping or expecting maybe by mid year, mid mid summer rather. And, um, but that's anybody's guess right now, but it, it, I don't think I would change that guess right now based on everything I'm hearing.
0: Bill, kind of tying those two things together, you mentioned the buzz around the office since the acquisition of Nolan Arenado. And Randy and I hear from the fans every day. That's kind of what we do. We're the vessel for the fans in a lot of ways. And I haven't seen the fan base this energized and excited in years. And I know that they are dying to get back to Bush Stadium. They cannot wait to get back there. But have you really felt the the energy and the buzz around the city as well?
10: Oh, for sure. You know, just for me it's it's every time I interact with somebody who's um just a fan or or you know, I mean at the coffee shop, whatever it may be, if they know me they kinda get me a little attaboy. <laughs> um, but it's um it's definitely palpable and you know, right now we're we've got a bunch of snow and it feels like it's ten years away opening day. But um, you know, pitchers and catchers report this week and you know, that just has a great ring to it. So I think the combination of, of how late the deal was uh, relative to the offseason and the fact that we're still suffering through this cold weather, but we know that the uh, warmer weather's around the corner, is creating that can't-wait feeling. And that's, that's really what we try to do every year. Some years we do it better than others, but this year it might be one of our best in terms of, Generating that buzz and enthusiasm and excitement for the opener.
2: Well, congratulations on that and happy President's Day. Enjoy yourself and stay safe and stay warm.
10: All right. Thanks. You too, guys. Thanks,
2: Bill. That's Bill DeWitt III. He is the president of your St. Louis Cardinals, joining us on in and Smallman.
0: It's got to be a tough spot for the, the presidents and the decision-makers with the Cardinals and the Blues because they do know that fans are so excited and they want to come back, but we are still in a pandemic and people are still losing their lives, and so mm. they need to make sure that once they allow fans back in that they're doing so in a safe manner. The Blues have done a great job so far, and hopefully by the time bush stadium is allowed to have fans back and we're further down the road Mm -hmm. in this pandemic but it's got to be a difficult position to be in from a president's standpoint because you want to generate money and you have people whose jobs are dependent on this and and you know that the demand is there from the fans but you also need to do it in a safe manner i i don't envy them from that standpoint
2: and those organizations do so much not only for the people within their organizations and and what they do is is wonderful for them but Michelle, obviously this is the only town I've ever lived in. But when you think about what Chris Zimmerman talked about, the renovations to Enterprise Center and what Enterprise Center brings to St. Louis, the, the wrestling and Arch Madness and the NCAA will come back and all the concerts that come in. When you think about the Cardinals building the first Class A office space that was built in St. Louis in 30 years. Wow. They spent the money to build their own stadium. They build Ballpark Village, which is the premier entertainment Facility in downtown St. Louis. They they build that office building. They build a premier hotel. They're trying to get people and businesses into downtown St. Louis. And then you look at what's happening with St. Louis City SC mm-hmm. right off the bat, uh, and what they are trying to accomplish for downtown St. Louis. I, I wonder how many cities have multiple franchises and all of ours that are not only doing things for themselves to try to make them their teams better and, and excite the city from that perspective, but do other ancillary things to help the city be a better place?
0: That's a great question. And I would guess, I would venture to guess that St. Louis is right at the top there because I know a lot of other cities, the infrastructure is different and stadiums are in different parts of town. But I do know In regards to St. Louis City, SC, that that was something very important to them, that they wanted to be part of the urban fabric of downtown, that they wanted to be a connector from downtown to Forest Park. And they realized that sports is a galvanizing force here in St. Louis and that they could really use a space of that downtown area of that corridor that had been sitting there and not really generating any revenue or hadn't been a great spot in the downtown area and use it for good. And if you look at the renderings, it's going to be incredible. Incredible! what putting that stadium and having that franchise in St. Louis is going to do to connect Forest Park to downtown.
2: And obviously there's a lot of work to do in regards to solving the safety issue in downtown St. Louis. But if we can do that, then what St. Louis City SC is going to be right in the middle of from Forest Park all the way down to the arch, it can be incredible. There's a lot of potential there.
0: There is. And thank you to the presidents and the leaders yep. of those sports teams for caring about St. Louis so much.
2: And uh, we appreciate those two specifically for joining us this morning, Chris Zimmerman and Bill DeWitt III. Coming up, Michael McHenry, former Cardinal, is going to be broadcasting Pirates games this year. We're going to talk about the Pirates. And he played with Nolan Arenado for a couple of years. We'll find out what he thinks of Nolan next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: On Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Former Cardinal Michael McHenry is going to be broadcasting Pirates games this year, and we're previewing the NL Central starting with the Pirates today. Michael, kind enough to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Mr. McHenry, with Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carricker. Thanks so much for taking some time. How's it going? Uh,
7: it's going well. A little cold. I'm in an ice cream in right now, but appreciate you having me and. uh, Always loved uh, St. Louis when I went to the city and when I got my short stint there. Uh, great organization, great people.
0: Well, thanks for that, Michael. And before we get to what's going to be going on with the Pirates this season, we know that you played for the Rockies and had some experience with Nolan Arenado. So we wanted to know what your reaction was when you heard that he was coming to the Cardinals.
7: Well, all I know is fans uh, got to get in the stadium because there's nothing better than watching Nolan Arenado play a baseball game live. Um, he'll do things that. Are unexpected, out of the ordinary. You'll be shaking your head. Um, we just used to say that's no one being Nolan. But as a teammate and as a friend, um, you're getting a great human being. I mean, I-, I expect nothing less with the Cardinals organization, you know, with leaders like Yachty and Wainwright, just great people. You know, you have Schultz as a manager at him in AAA, I think the world of it. But you guys always seem to find the right type of character guys that fit the mold of being a Cardinal, and there's no better mold for a Cardinal than Nolan Arenado. He's very professional, he gets after it, and the city's going to absolutely fall in love with him.
0: So you said that he'll do things that make people shake their heads and say that's just Nolan being Nolan. Give us an example of that. What's the best play you ever saw him make?
7: Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, there's one play in one, – one in Colorado and one in San Fran. They were both pop-ups. He had no business getting there. Um, When I was in Colorado, we just started to implement the shift, and it was in 14. So I was in the Pirates. We started in 11. You know, we were very early on doing the shift. So he was trying to learn these positions early on the season. We're in San Fran, they have a lot of foul territory. And I mean, he just takes off, and nobody in the world thought he was going to get there. He goes over the tarp catches it, slides, and actually makes it through to me at home. It was absolutely amazing, and that's like every day. And he did the exact same thing a week later at home and went into the stands. I thought he was going to come out with a hot dog. It was <laughs> unbelievable. The guy the guy plays with absolutely no fear, and he plays to win every day. It's like he's playing in the backyard, and he's 12 years old, and his big little, all of his big brothers just making fun of him, and he's a little guy just saying, not today, guys.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Michael McHenry is going to be broadcasting Pirates games starting this year, 2021. Congratulations on that, on being in the booth. And obviously it's a rebuild, but I've always thought, Michael, and we've had that a couple of times in St. Louis, it was a long time ago, but I'm always intrigued by the journey of watching a group of young players grow up together to see what they can become.
7: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I think – for the NL Central, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises this year because um, the last regime was great. Great people, um, did a lot of things well, obviously got the Pirates out of that losing uh, rut they were in, and I, I got to be a part of this business special. It's a great organization, but, I mean, they turned over a huge rock bringing in all the people they did. Technologies uh, used differently. It's more personalized. They're doing a lot of things that – have caught them up to today's game in maybe the fastest expedited fashion I've ever seen. And I'm excited to see, you know, what some of these young prospects can do because, you know, a lot of these guys were doing things that maybe didn't benefit their best development. You know, they're trying to throw a sinker, but they're a high spin guy that needs to pitch at the top of the zone. You know, they've never been allowed to throw a split, but they threw one in college. Now they're throwing it. So there's gonna be a lot of guys you're gonna see like, where did this guy come from? You know, he's still in 95, ninety five, ninety ninety seven. 97, he was 88, 89 in the minor leagues, and he's striking out the world. Well, he didn't know he was throwing the wrong pitches his entire career, but he was a competitor that was able to compete. And that's what made him special, but now he's got the stuff too. So that's one thing that I'm very excited about, and I'm really excited about just, you know, seeing the culture grow under – Derek Sheldon and Ben Sherrington and and the people they've put in place. I mean, even the farm director they brought in, a former catcher. I mean, it's just good to see the people they're bringing in. It's a lot of people that I've, you know, crossed paths with. So I'm excited for the Pirates. I'm excited for the Central because the Pirates got to start, you know, punching back a little bit on the Cardinals.
0: Michael, let's stick with the prospects. The Pirates have a lot of top 100 prospects, I believe as many as six. So give us a name. Which – prospect are you the most excited about and which prospect should Cardinals fans really keep an eye on
7: the one that's going to give no one a run for his money every year in the gold glove that's key Brian Hayes he's 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 the franchise he's he's the it he's the thing I, mean, I don't know if I could say a bad thing about him right now I don't know him personally as well as I'd like to but this guy is special I mean he was a plus defender last year um his range is unbelievable. He gets the balls that most people don't. He's known for his defense. Then he came up and just absolutely annihilated the baseball last year. You know, you're know, you in the middle of pandemic. can make your debut. No fans. Hard to find that adrenaline. I know you have adrenaline just walking to a stadium at the major league level. But, I mean, he made it look – I hate to say this, but he made it look easy. Like he's from a different planet. And I knew the defense was there. And I was like, man, this guy's got incredible hands. He can run. But the one thing I didn't know about him was how savvy he was in a baseball uniform. The baseball IQ, you know, making the right turns, uh, taking the extra bases, reading the hops uh, to, you know, score from third. I mean, there's was just a great old-school baseball IQ type player that happens to be one of the better defensive players in the National League as soon as he walked onto the field at PNC, and he also absolutely mashed last year.
2: Hey Michael, you mentioned Derek Shelton, and by the way, he's from our area. He grew up in Carbondale, Illinois. He went to SIU, which is near St. Louis. But man, he managed in the Yankee system, and that's as good as any system. He he worked under Joe Madden with Tampa. He's worked with Paul Molitor. He seems like a guy that's a perfect fit for what the Pirates are trying to accomplish.
7: Yeah, he's a coach, he's a multi-tool. I mean, he, he can do a little bit of everything. He's he was a catcher as a player. He's coach catcher. He's been a hitting coach assistant coach a bench coach i mean he's been around like you don't like see shelty not talking to somebody and he, it seems like he's best friends with everybody so i mean that kind of tells you his character and you know who he is he's a baseball guy through and through and he loves and i love watching this he loves the guys he cares for him he protects them and he's creating a a caring type culture and 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 pittsburgh and i'm really excited to see how the fans embrace that i mean everybody knows the Pirates fans like care about winning and they want to win and no matter what like rebuilding or not they're expecting to win this year even though you know they may be upset with some of the things that have happened i'm really excited to see you know how the city embraces shelton and the team
2: Hey, Michael, before we let you go, five years ago when you were here in St. Louis and you were winding down your career at the age of 31, were you thinking about broadcasting? Was coaching in your future? Is this where you planned to be to start 2021?
1: Uh, no.
7: If you would have told me I was going to be an analyst on AT&T Sportsnet and broadcasting um, post-baseball, I would have told you you're absolutely a psychopath <laughs> You know, I grew up with two learning disabilities. I couldn't talk in front of people. Um, I wasn't a talker for a long time in my life. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate, and God blessed me, to marry an absolute angel that pushed me beyond belief to do things that I was uncomfortable with, and I got comfortable with it. And I guess I made impact in, in Pittsburgh, and they gave me an opportunity. And I'm thankful every day. Uh, at some point in my life, I will coach. Um, I love serving young men and and helping them achieve a goal that they're trying to achieve and most importantly be a great husband and be be a a great father and and do the things that are going to make them better in life so at some point i want to lead some type of group or men to an ultimate goal so that's always been something even since i was a kid they told me you're going to coach and you're probably going to be better at that than you will a player which i hope so that'd be That'd be neat one day, but right now I'm very content with what I'm doing. I get to be about around the guys and be around the game of love.
2: Well, we're happy for you. We're excited, and we're very appreciative that you took some time with us today. Thank you, Michael, and hopefully we can talk again
7: soon. Absolutely, thank you, guys. God bless you, and have a good day.
2: You too. Take care, Michael McHenry, who will be a Pirates broadcaster. What a great story that is!
0: Absolutely, anything's possible, Randy. Yeah, and, and you hear his passion. He sounds like a coach, doesn't he?
2: He sure does. <laughs> and he's got he's he's got a knowledge of the whole situation. So the Pirates, well, it, it's going to be a rugged year. It's going to be tough, but they seem, in talking to Jeff Hartley, but their reliever and Michael McHenry, they they understand where they are and what they're trying to do is grow. And that's that's what their job is, is to grow this year.
0: And that tends to be a galvanizing force for a team when they've had hard times and they grow something from the bottom out. They they started from the bottom, now they're here. They will never forget that, what it's like to be the team that isn't good and watch other mm-hmm. teams beat up on them. And as some of these prospects continue to ascend and grow and the culture grows, that's something that's going to make them better down the road.
2: And what they need to do, and this is hard for that ownership, that owner, Bob Nutting, their owner, it has been reticent to hand out big contracts. But once you get the young players ready to take off, they're on the runway and ready to take off, you need to go get an Arenado. Mm-hmm. You need to go get a Goldschmidt. And that is how the Cardinals and several other organizations win. The Pirates
1: need to figure that part of it out.
2: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, it's time for...
0: You're killing me, Smalls. Brady, before we get into some stories today, I wanted to run something past you, if that's all right. So, when I woke up this morning, my phone greeted me and it said, Good morning. Snow conditions with a wind chill of negative 18 degrees and low visibility. Snow negative zero degrees currently so i screenshotted it i posted it up on social media and i said i i tweeted it and i said i couldn't hate anything more couldn't hate anything more we we know how we feel about winter here on this show they stupid it is stupid i got a lot of responses Randy, of people saying what about the rams what about stan Cronkey? could you you hate them more you could hate them more than this weather and i really thought about that and do you hate them anymore Because for me, it's kind of evolved over the years into a disgust, into an almost apathetic disgust. I certainly don't like them, and I don't want them to have any modicum of success, but the hate doesn't rage as much as it used to. Yeah,
2: I think that's the key, is it's not as intense. It's still there, but it's just not as intense. Would I like to see the guy die? Yeah. Right. Um, I would. I'm just being honest here. Just being real. <laughs>
4: oh
0: my goodness! But that it's not seem like good karma, though. I,
2: I, I think that w- that is more product of making me happy than hating him. You know, just, and I, I certainly don't want to see his team win. But that's not out of hate. It is more out of. A lesser word is disdain.
0: Disdain. That's what it's... Because right in the immediacy of the vote and of them moving, oh, it was hate. It was white hot rage. It was white hot rage. But as time's gone on and you watch them from afar and there's some separation, the whole operation is so gross. It's just so gross that it doesn't make me hate them anymore. It just makes me look at them like, ugh.
2: And it's fun when... Sucks to be you. They do stupid things and they fail, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. taking the deal they took with the Chargers, which is absolutely awesome. So, like, the Chargers are selling $100 PSLs. The reason that the Rams go out and get a Matthew Stafford is it's so that they can sell their PSLs. Oh, yeah. And...
0: Make no mistake about it. That's a mon- that's for money. To so put butts in yeah, seats.
2: Their lowest price PSL is $1,000. The Chargers are spending 100 or charging $100 per PSL, and... What the Rams said is whatever you get from PSLs has to go to construction of the building. But they didn't give them a minimum for PSLs. So whatever the chargers were gonna charge for PSLs, it was gonna go to building the stadium anyway. So what's it matter? Whether it's a hundred, five hundred, a thousand. What a stupid move by them.
0: Big time. Yeah. Also, uh, we've talked about the lawsuit here on this show and on our station, and obviously that's news here in St. Louis. But did you see that over the past couple of days over the weekend, it's made national news that that St. Louis is seeking a billion dollars essentially from the lawsuit?
2: (laughs) They hope it's just a billion.
0: That's what I thought. And I also thought, oh, so people in the national media are picking up on this. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wonder how the NFL and Stan Kroenke feel about that.
2: They're trying to move the goalposts, yes, but definitely. They don't understand clearly, and I know these people that uh, are good attorneys. This Gerald Carmody, uh, Pete Woods, and his firm—they're—they're they're in the suit. They're fighting against St. Louis, but it seems like that even though they're good lawyers, they're trying to confuse people about what this is about. Everything about this—that this is about—is after the lease, mm-hmm. and. I know that the people on that are fighting for St. Louis are trying to keep the eye of the judge on the ball, and they will. They'll be fine. And the jury will understand that what all they have to do is read the lawsuit. It's pretty simple. Just read the lawsuit. It's eminently available on the, on the interwebs, and you can figure it out pretty easily what's going to happen.
0: How about Eric Grumman just not showing up?
2: Typical. Yeah, he's... He's a joke. He's a bad guy. Just one of the worst human beings imaginable.
0: But doesn't that just encapsulate everything that this is about? The NFL and people involved in this not thinking that there's any consequences for their bad behavior?
2: Yeah. You just wait is what I say to him. Just wait. You
0: know what? As our friends in the Fast Lane say, be patient. Right. Be patient. You're killing me, small. Well, speaking of the Rams, Randy and Matthew Stafford, he did an interview with the Detroit Free Press about leaving Detroit and going to L.A., and he said that he had one request for Detroit when they were developing this trade is that he asked to go to a team that was ready to win a championship. That's his one request. Mm-hmm. After all of that losing and all of that terrible football he was a part of in Detroit, he wanted to go to a team that was tailor-made to win.
2: I really appreciated the way he went about his business. We were talking last week about Harden and the the way that he requested his trade and uh, some of the others in the NFL that have demanded trades. He quietly went to the the Lions and said, look, we've done all we can do here. And, uh, hey, I I like you guys, but I don't think I can win here. James Harden could have done that and, and gone to the... He'd been there for eight years. He could have gone yeah. to the Rockets and said, look, it's just not happening. Can you move me to a place where I have a chance to win? I really want to go to Brooklyn. And that's all you have to do mm-hmm. is be reasonable about it. And I really do admire uh, Matthew Stafford doing it the way he did. I thought it was cool. And I admire the Lions for do, for acquiescing to, to what he wanted, too.
0: Yeah that's one of those rare situations where both parties involved know that it's not the right fit anymore yeah. that they could both walk away and be respectful of one another thank each other for what happened during the relationship and say okay it's time to move on it's time to move on Yeah you're killing me, Smalls. Well, Randy, the trophy that Matthew Safford is in, in seek of, the Lombardi Trophy, is in the news again. We all cheered when Tom Brady took the Lombardi Trophy from one boat and he tossed it over to another boat and camera break caught it for what he said was the best catch of his career, by the way. <laughs> and I don't disagree with no. him because if he drops that into the ocean... All of a sudden, a great day goes to a a pretty bad day. Yeah. Because then you have to... The divers are there, and the party gets stuck, and... Makes for a great story. I think catching it is the better story. Well, anyway, Lorraine Gross, whose father, Greg, was the master silversmith at Tiffany and Company from 1967 to 1994, he first designed the Vince Lombardi Trophy, and she watched this play out the same way we did, and while we were cheering... She was not.
4: And it takes a lot of work, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of hours go into it. It just really upset me that
0: this trophy was disgraced and disrespected by being thrown as if it was a real football. I didn't sleep for the past two nights because of this. I was that upset because I, I know the, the passion that goes into this trophy and how my dad and all, all his fellow silversmiths are so proud to make this.
4: I personally would like an apology, not just to me and my
0: family and the other silversmiths, um, but to the to the fans. You heard that right, Randy. Lorraine wants a personal apology because Tom Brady threw the Lombardi Trophy.
2: Lorraine, your response was gross.
0: And no, that's your last name, Randy. That's her last name.
2: Oh, it was a gross response. <laughs> okay, I've got three things here. All
0: right, number let's count them one,
2: down. your dad set a blanket football on top of a tripod. <laughs> It's not a lot of work. Well, maybe it is, but anybody could have put a football on a tripod. It's not something new and exciting. It's actually a pretty boring trophy.
0: Yeah, from a design standpoint, we've seen better.
2: I could have designed it. We've seen better. I've seen better in fantasy football leagues.
0: I mean, the Stanley Cup. If you're going to compare any trophy yep. to the Stanley Cup, it's a losing battle. Right.
2: So, so first of all. If, you're, if all your... And I'm not going to d- disparage what your dad did as a silversmith. But no, in this particular work. instance, all he did was, out of silver, put a football on top of a tripod. Not mm-hmm. great.
0: Mm-hmm. But the silver S- qu- quality was great.
2: Yeah. Great. Second thing. Maybe you just started paying attention to football now. Are you aware that one of the Patriots' Lombardi trophies is dented with a baseball because on opening day of a Red Sox season... Rob Gronkowski took the Lombardi Trophy and tried to bunt a ball with it, and it actually hit the football Mm -hmm. with a baseball, and it's still sitting there. It's still dented in the Patriots' office.
0: It's a great story. It's
2: a fantastic story. Third, and finally, they didn't drop it. Nothing happened. It was tossed from one person to another. It's no big whoop. You don't need an apology for something that never happened.
0: Also, may I add a fourth in there? Yeah. While your dad was the silversmith that was behind this. Tom Brady owns that trophy. He has more of a right to that than you ever did. Thank you. That is his trophy. He earned it. While your dad may have created part of it, Tom Brady's blood, sweat, and tears went into earning it. He earned it. So if he wants to throw it, let the man throw it.
2: Yeah. What? What's her first? I know her last Lorraine. name. Lorraine. 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 R E L a x
0: imagine the self-importance it takes to say i've lost sleep over this and i demand an apology as if her opinion matters that much i mean i i hate to say that because obviously she's very proud of her dad and she feels a certain type of way of his work she wants his work to be respected but his work is to create something for other people to celebrate with his work is a symbol of their winning And that's what they're doing is celebrating their winning. To think that she has more ownership over this trophy than the people who actually want it is insanity to me. I will say this. Sorry, Lorraine. If
2: she's lost a couple of nights of sleep and that's the worst thing that ever happened to her, she's been leading a pretty good life.
0: Great point. Yeah, we're in a pandemic, Lorraine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Lombardi trophy being thrown from boat to boat and being caught is something to lose sleep over. I'm
2: with you. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk to Dan McLaughlin, The Dan McLaughlin Show with BK, coming your way on 101 ESPN. The crossover is next.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Dan McLaughlin show coming up here at the top of the hour with BK. Danny Mac is in studio with us.
11: And, uh, hey, this just feels like spring training, it does. doesn't it? I mean, you walk <laughs> out and you just say, gosh, opening day is right around the corner. I looked it up this morning. We are, we're a Bob Gibson away. We're 45 days away. From opening, opening day. day. Amazing. Ooh, 45 days away.
0: A Bob Gibson away. Yeah. Great. Great.
11: That's not that far away.
0: But it feels like it when you look out the window. It certainly feels like it.
11: I talked to some guys down in uh Florida over the weekend. They say it's perfect down there. <sighs> so I bet. Spring training's gonna be nice. Although they are, I believe, quarantining at this point, so I'm not sure how much they can go outside and and do their thing. But on Wednesday they will and and away we go for spring training. Would you guys feel comfortable right now? Here we are in mid April
2: or mid February, mid February fifteenth. Leaving baseball out of it. Would you guys be cool with uh just going down maybe renting a, a VRBO or something on the beach in Jupiter and just hanging out on the beach just you and your family traveling down there?
11: Of course. I would too. I would. Yeah. I would like it. You you mean like would we be hesitant because of COVID, you right. mean? Yeah. I don't think I would be at this stage. Uh,
2: the only pro- issue for me is the flight, really. Yeah. And if, I'll double mask and I'll handle that.
11: I think a lot of people are driving down. Those that move. are good covering play. um oh, the smart. team they're they're driving down. Not everybody, but some some of the people I've talked to are driving down there and and hunkering down. I I think my understanding is for um media-wise, you know, it's going to be a lot like last year. It's going to be a lot of Zooms at least initially in spring training and in terms of trying to cover the game, you can go on the backfields, but you got to be very, very far away or at least distant. Mm-hmm. And then um, during the games, there will be fans. I don't know how many fans are going to allow in that ballpark, but there's going to be fans, and uh, the media will be able to watch it, but a lot of it will be you know, dictated how we did it last year, which is kind of unfortunate because, I, and I know that this is the last thing we need to be worried about is media covering a professional sport. I'm worried about it. I'm not. I'm raising my <laughs> head. But that's where, if you're a writer, or in my case, trying to do games, getting inside is pretty tough. you gotta, yeah. you got to work it. Yeah.
0: Having fans in spring training, that's the first time they've seen fans in a while.
11: I would think so. Yeah. yeah. They well, didn't baseball have didn't any, have it. Yeah.
0: They didn't have Not until the World Series, right? right. So, yeah. so
2: 12th after the uh, yeah. After, the, after baseball had been shut down while the Cardinals were still playing was the last time they've had fans. So weird.
0: <laughs> so that's going to be so different weird. for them. Even if it's limited fans, to hear the fans again and to be able to hear them talking and or jeering at them maybe yeah. or cheering is going to be a weird new experience.
11: I think in Jupiter, that ballpark, um, what does it hold you guys? Think? 75? Is it 75? I was going to say 8,000. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe you're going to get in two? You know, yeah. socially distant, you could be, you could probably do that. I would think. We'll yeah. see. I hope so. I mean, we need to get some fans back in there. As long as we're safe and healthy and doing that, and I think the players would appreciate it too. And it, it just seems like things are moving in that direction where
2: we will. And we had Bill Dewitt on earlier. He was saying that he hopes that they can have a little below thirty percent right off the bat, uh, or at the very least in late April, and then. Once things are ready to rock and roll, it's they, they want to go boom to
11: full houses at asap. My understanding is that they can't, so it goes to twenty eight percent, and then they can't go above that. Yeah, it's just in the bowl and the way it works, and six feet apart. That it's either twenty eight percent or you go no strings attached, and you can show up and mm-hmm. have full houses. So we'll see. I I would be uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals would do something like. You know, let's just say the numbers continue to go down and they are going down at a yeah. great rate. Uh, I think I saw something like it's 64% down COVID rate um cases in the last two weeks. So the vaccine's getting out there. Obviously, it's made an impact and people are taking the proper precautions more times than not, you'd like to think. But maybe in July, uh it's kind of like a reopening of what would be an opening day. It, that wouldn't surprise me at all if they did something like that. You know, if you're able to open up at full capacity, and do the the proper way to honor, I think Bob Gibson and mm-hmm. Lou Brock, yeah. and and maybe do an opening day kind of thing. There's a celebration. That'd be great. Yeah, I, Yeah, I wonder yeah. if they do something like that. Okay, I got to get you guys' take on this. Okay. Day like this, zero degrees, snow. You're kind
2: of snowed in. You get home. I'm really a big fan of tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. Who isn't? I I think that's a great cold weather thing to have. Clam chowder. Do some slow cooker chili, although my family, I'm the only chili fan in, in my so family. So you'll make it? Yeah, I will. So, But what's the the snowed-in go-to food?
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. It has to be soup of some sort, right? Soup. S- something warm yeah, on the inside. Pastas, maybe. But you need hot chocolate on a day like this.
11: I'd like a big gooey pizza. Oh, Can't go wrong with that either. I big had, gooey pizza.
0: I had the best pizza this week. What would you have? So there's a place in The Hill that just opened recently called Pizzeria de Gloria. It's outstanding. They use um, all natural ingredients, which is great. But they have a pizza there that is pepperoni and pickled jalapenos. Mm. No, trust mm-hmm. me. It is outstanding. It's not spicy. It's it's just got a little kick to it. And the pepperonis are the kind that are crispy on the edges. You know, they
11: No, I up. like that part. It's great. I don't like the jalapeno part. You don't have to get the jalapenos. No,
0: here. you don't. But it's a great combo.
11: You put jalapenos on your... Jalapenos, whatever you call them, on my the nachos. I do not do jalapenos at all.
0: Guys. No, but see, I don't like I don't jalapenos either. either. I do not, and these are different because they're pickled, so they taste differently. Okay, all right. Trust me, I'll work with Trust it. Trust me on this one. But so, it's what,
11: I got a question too. What did What did Chris Zimmerman say about continuing to go up with, um, in terms of audience or crowds? He, what did he say to you guys?
2: He said he doesn't want that to be a story every game when they go up maybe a hundred each game, but there are fourteen hundred, and they're hoping to just go up gradually. All the time, and then next month they've got the NCAA, the Arch Madness here, yeah, and then they've got the NCAA wrestling championships coming up as well. So there are events that are happening there. But he said it—it's it, just not going to be a story that they tell every day. But gradually, the attendance will rise. And then is it—are they giving
11: it to the season ticket holders? Is that how they're working it? It's a lottery situation right now with the the senior season ticket holders. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Take
2: care of your people, and I think that's what the Billikens are doing too over the are doing
11: I think the the Cardinals will do that too Cardinals have something I think like I could be wrong about this but I, it's like 22 to 23,000 season ticket holders or something like mm-hmm. that I mean it's an, an amazing number of people and a
2: lot that have been around since the mid 80s yeah. too wow.
11: yeah so I guess your most senior members would uh get that uh, call and then you know lottery get them in get them around I I think what would be hard is is somebody says well I'm a green seat holder so I want to sit in my green seats, mm-hmm. but you're putting me here or this person is over here. I, th- that's got to be complicated, man.
2: Michelle, I don't know if you feel this way. Dan, you, you, you're doing the games. I, I love going to Cardinal games. But I think that your product on FS Midwest is so good with you and whoever your analyst is and your crew. It, it's so good. You're buttering me up here. Randy. No, I, I'm just saying that <laughs> for me... If everything else is equal, I love watching the game on TV. Now if it's if it's a perfect 78 degree day and I have tickets, hey, I'm going. But my thing is, if I were a season ticket holder, I would have no trouble getting rid of half of my seats and taking in your product.
11: I think well, I do think that people over the last I don't know, what do you guys think? Probably 10 years have been conditioned now more than ever to know that every game's on TV. Mm-hmm. Where you just didn't have that before. Um And it's not to say, and I I understand your point, and I I appreciate it, it's not to say that people will stay away from the ballpark, but it's an option to go watch it. It's an option. And the television aspect of it is we are, really, we're selling tickets. We're selling the things that are coming up. We're making sure that you know that Johnny Bobblehead is coming up Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff and, you know what I mean, and doing that. It's kind of an extension of the promotions of the ballpark and the tickets and things of that nature. But... It is. It's designed. It's like a free commercial to get people to yeah. it, excited to come down to the ballpark. You and know, it's a social event, and we've it talked is. about that a lot. Oh, oh yeah, being at the ballpark, and especially once
2: we're able to come back, more than ever,
11: it's going to be a social event. Too. So you asked an interesting question. Would you go down to Florida and just mm-hmm. VRBO or whatever? What do you think the appetite is once it's open and we're vaccinated and people say, yeah, we can have a full house? What do you think the appetite is for people to go to a, a a big event with crowd around them? I think it depends on the person. I'm I'm there. If I have a vaccination, I'm there. But a lot of people don't
2: want to get vaccinated. Yeah,
0: I would think it's. Not high, but leaning towards high. Because I think a lot of people now aren't as afraid as they were. More vaccinations are happening. I think you'll see a lot of fans still wearing masks. But I'll tell you what, as soon as the Cardinals made that Nolan Arenado acquisition, mm-hmm. I think people's um, appetite to go to this
11: For sure. Yeah. This is
0: a, a town that loves Cardinal baseball, and they really want to go out there and, and watch this team.
11: They heard a lot from fans when they made that deal. Yeah. There, there was excitement. There's, there's no doubt. I... I just hope the appetite is there to go to back to the ballpark and maybe it might take a little time and people get used to it, but I think eventually we get there. What do we got coming up with you and BK Anthony, uh, Caster Vince from MLB.com, so great. he'll be our guest and talk a lot of baseball coming up. A lot of things, questions for the Cardinals coming up in spring training. Looking forward to all that. Right.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks to our producer-engineer, Emily Butcher, doing great work today. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun.
0: It was. See you tomorrow. It
2: was a fast Monday. Yeah, it was. character and Smallman. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great, safe day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the character and
1: Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise
9: let me guess unknown caller you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection the latest innovation from discover we'll help regularly remove your personal info like your name and address from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data and we'll do it for free activate in the discover app see terms and learn more at discover.com/onlineprivacyprotection.